So I like to leave the headphones on just because I can hear. But you, like I said, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't bother me. Some people yeah, don't like it. You don't have less, to. Less things to worry about. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, cool. Well, Craig Barker, thanks for coming on my show. Thanks, Ryan. Good to see you, man. having me. Yeah, thanks. It's, been good. it's good to see you. I'm glad I bumped into you. Uh, was like a week ago or something? Yeah, it was the 72-hour film festival. Yeah. Um, so just Which as you won. Yeah, so we won. Yeah, yeah, we can get into that in a second. Yeah, for awesome, sure. Awesome, yeah. Um, so I'll do a quick intro here. I just kind of jumped into it. It's kind of how I operate. I just kind of get going here. Absolutely. Um, but uh, so you're you're with Survey. So you've been around here for a long time. We'll just get this out of the way fast so we can start talking. Uh, you're a photographer. Um, photographer first. Do you anything else? Anything else on the side? Like do uh, my I did background in marketing okay. and then kind of like uh, pivoted to photography uh, probably like seven or eight years ago. Okay, cool. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I met you kind of through the cannabis space, I think, for the most part, ski a bit. I can't remember. It was like during like, a, I think it was during Intersection maybe or something. Yeah, I believe um, it was probably a bit of a mix of both. Like, yeah. I think I first saw you professionally or um, came across you professionally when you worked with Broken Coast. Yeah, right. That was yeah, cannabis space that I worked, cannabis place I worked for for a while. Yeah, because right, yeah. you were marketing with those guys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of when I was starting to get more seriously into the space. So I think I was looking for inspiration and people you know in do work. doing well <laughs> new clients <laughs> yeah sure yeah of course yeah that's an interesting space okay yeah so you're a photographer first and foremost um and you live in a whistle you've been here for like uh when did you move here uh i've been in whistler full-time for about seven years right. canada 11 years okay. and i lived in vancouver for about two and a half three years okay um, I lived in a van for a year-ish whilst I was nice. starting my business sweet. standard. Cool. Yeah, you know, sweet. The, van life. the rite of passage to live here I and work here. Yeah, that's dope. Um, and then, yeah, kind of settled in Whistler, finally. Yeah, sweet. Um, yeah, so the cannabis space, we, I did that for like three years. Um, and we don't have to get too deep in like businesses and that kind of stuff, but uh, uh, you were there You were there at the beginning of it. I mean, at the beginning of legalization, you're in part of it. Um, and I see that you work with other, quite a few brands, like a handful of brands, I guess, on a regular basis. Um, and I haven't been in it maybe, I've been in it now since 2020 when I, they, uh, the company I worked for laid, everybody, laid a bunch of people off. Mm. They were dicks about it too. And uh, <laughs> um, But do you think it's, that, that, do you think that, that cannabis space is like, um, I hate saying space. It seems weird, right? <laughs> Industry? Yeah, cannabis, the cannabis world. It's changed a bit. It's a change. Like um, we were talking about it coming up the stairs here, um, and I know like the regulations were different. Has it changed a lot in the last little while? I mean, are you still pretty close to it? But it's constantly changing, and it changes yeah. fairly quickly too. Um, just give you a brief history. I mean, the cannabis industry has been running for a long, long, long time. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Like, yeah, the, yeah. The legalization in Canada happened in 2018. Yeah. For sure. Officially. Um, yeah. And um, I was. I've been, a, I was in photography. I got into photography through events mainly. And okay. I had a great mentor in Vancouver. I'm still yeah. extremely good friends with. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I started doing like, you know, travel photography, kind of lifestyle photography, kind of, I didn't know where to 
put my attention and my right. effort right and, and i'm you know a big skiing and snowboard uh, fan too obviously big skier that's yeah. why i moved to canada yeah ski photography was a avenue i was trying to pursue and it kind of guess in the wider spectrum of that sort of outdoor industry right but i realized pretty quickly uh you know, not for lack of trying, that it was going to be a very competitive industry to break into. <laughs> Especially here in Whistler, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. you've had amazing local yeah. photographers on your podcast, Burger, Fatal, yeah. yeah, sure, guys. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But there's, you know, some big hitters around here, like yeah. Morrison, Jorgensen, like all those guys. And they've been, they were ingrained. They've been in, like, in this, they've started, they were, like, pretty much, like, the beginning of it all. I mean, I remember when I first met those guys, probably 20 years ago. Yeah. And uh, my photography was so different, obviously, back then. I mean, digital was just coming out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they were already ingrained. So it's kind of like, I feel like I, I work in TV right now too. And I feel like the same thing is like, once people are in the door, if they don't leave, if they don't leave. You're no good. one else really gets in. Yeah. So yeah. to bring it back to the cannabis, that's when, you know, I looked at these folks and I was like, okay, they're not obviously they're amazing photographers sure. and they've got a complete, they've got amazing skill sets. But yeah. one of their competitive advantages was they're here, you know, relatively early in the scene. Yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. Um, and exactly what you said. And I was like, well, Hmm. I know legalization's approaching. Yeah. Like in 2017, I was like, we know it's going to be happening. Like it wasn't a secret. Yeah. Um, what it looked like, no one knew, but yeah. like it was happening. Medical was already legal for yeah. a long, long time. Canada's been a good leader in that. Yeah. So I was chilling by the lake one day. I had a, a smoking joint and yeah. genuinely I was like, look down at my joint and I was like, here's the opportunity. Yeah, that's cool. Like uh, this is the next big thing. Yeah. And uh, I started working for black market uh, companies in Vancouver, yeah. doing like just bug shots for their menus yeah. for online. Uh, <laughs> out in my in my van with long exposure. A little studio you set up in the back of your van? Yeah, thing? on yeah. my bed. <laughs> yeah, like I wish I, could ha I wish I had a photo of it. I probably yeah. do somewhere, but it's yeah. so janky. That's cool. I used cool. to do it in the Safeway car park in right. Kiss. Really, eh? Yeah. Well, I guess because... I mean, if you're doing a menu for a, for like a black market shop, they're just they just need to photo the bud, and there's no precedent set before that to how what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, you just need the bud. Yeah, and I thought I was doing pretty good, but like I I recently looked back at some of those photos, and they are pretty bad. At least the white was white. Right. You know, that's yeah. still something a lot of people <laughs> struggle with. Yeah. Right. But like I knew how to I knew I figured out how to get the white background white, um, right. which wasn't easy considering. Uh, there was no separation. I was just using light coming in from the windows in a light box. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. You shot in the back of a van. That's pretty awesome, though. Yeah, well, I had no money and didn't yeah. have a home. Right. Like I was living in my truck, and I, right. I saw this opportunity. And part of the reason I was living in my truck was so that I could move around to these different clients right. and collect collect product or go. Right. I was still shooting a lot of skateboarding at this point too. Oh, you're so shooting skateboarding? Okay, like cool. downhill skateboarding, I should say. Like oh, like, oh yeah, cool. Sweet. First, nice. First, uh, yeah, first love. Did you ever do the, uh, they have a longboard festival here. They used to have a longboard festival here. I did. You I shot, shot the last year of it. They don't do that anymore. Yeah. yeah when, I knew why. Cause it, it costs $10,000 a day to rent that hill and longboarders, I, I love the money. bits, but it's a, it's a, it's a worse than this down. It's worse than the flat. Wait a second. Wait a second. $10,000 a day to rent that hill from, from the Muni or from Whistler Blackcomb? Uh, good question. Just it's on the bobsled hill. It's the bobsled oh, access. Right. So I'm guessing it's probably the black home. 10 grand a day. And they're not even, it was like, what? It was like not even bobsled season. I don't know when bobsled season in, but they weren't bloody using it. Yeah, it's well, winter time. And That's it, a lot it, of money. For, I know. I, mean, I, I know. It was like these kids just <laughs> wanted to, these kids just wanted to race down the hill. Uh, I guess it was, it was cool. And there was lots of longboard events. Oh, I yeah. went to quite a good a bunch of them and that's where i honed a lot of my my um my, my uh sports photography right like faster shutter speeds and just like following and slow uh, that right yeah i guess that's um those i I've, I've watched a lot of i've in the time that i've done this been in this industry 
I've watched a lot of uh, filmers and photographers uh, start in skiing and snowboarding with their buddies and hang out, and then they hone their skills. And, they, and then the money, over the years, when I first started this, working in this industry, uh, the money, money was just booming in. People were just pumping out money, right? They were paying a lot, a lot of money for people. And then it started to slowly uh, kind of go away. But you don't really have anybody. You have some mentors and stuff teaching you, but you learn a lot about what it's like to shoot in, like, you don't have a lot of time. There's, like, you have to get the one shot. So you can't just dick around and sit, sit, sit in the studio and shoot. So you do hone your skills pretty fast, or, I mean, you hope you, hope you do. And then when the money dries up, a lot of people, like you said, you went to cannabis. Um, but some people I know in the film industry have gone out to do like films and television and stuff because they learned so much in skiing and snowboarding filming. And that money kind of went away. And they were like, oh, now we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many people actually had the like the vision to do that. or they just, they just People, I think, just kind of jumped into it, had fun doing it, and it ended up being a career for them. Yeah, I think most creators kind of understand that you're going to got to create the opportunities to some extent. Mm-hmm. So if they're not occurring for you in the the desired industry or where you want to be locally you've got to you've got to kind of hustle a little bit and try and maybe make concessions maybe figure out a new a new vision of you know how you can put your skills to use right. like i haven't i need to speak to him because i haven't spoken to him in a while but someone like jeremy allen i oh, really yeah. respect who's a local guy who uh is an amazing sports photographer yeah. he is a very personable and uh you know well-loved guy in the corridor he gets yeah, along he's with a everybody. lovely human yeah he's, he's a such good a dude. nice dude yeah uh and i've noticed him doing more sort of like camera work Come yeah. maybe more on the line what you kind of do sometimes i don't yeah know. sure yeah but i was like cool like that was awesome to see someone who had a lot of skill a lot of passion and wanted to be more involved in these bigger brands these big projects uh and the way that he figured out to do it was to be a camera operator yeah rather than trying the freelancing because fr- i'm not gonna lie man the freelance it's it's, it's a it's, it's a tough slog. Going. Yeah, like it's for sure. Not, it's a, it's a, it's got its ups and downs, and luckily there's more ups and downs at the moment. But yeah. I'm under no illusion that it could all end, like yeah. fairly fast. I think it does end pretty fast, especially in the action sports, because everybody's younger and coming up, right? So, and I think a lot of times people like create their their career through the crew they're with. Mm, very much so. And so, as like your friends are skiers who are young or older, and they get older, and you you have to either meet the new kids coming up, but they've already got a photographer buddy theirs because everyone's so influenced over the past 20 years. People do pick up a camera. Someone like Jeremy, I saw him, I met him on a film set. We were filming this uh, show called Ultimate Ninja Challenge. Mm. And uh, that show sucked. And uh, it was for Discovery Channel, right? And it was the dude who, the, the dude who, um, who created uh, Naked and Afraid, you okay. know that TV show? Yeah. So he, the guy who created that, pitched the show. Uh, it doesn't matter what I say, I guess. But uh, he, he pitched a show called Ultimate Ninja Challenger. It was going to be called something else. And it was basically like a, uh, like you, they brought a bunch of people in. There was like a survival show. And it was like these, I guess back in the day, ninjas were like survivalists and kind of like offcasts from society type thing. And they were like, so they had to be like survivalists and whatever else and live in the bushes and like sneak around and shit, right? Mm-hmm. So this is like what the show was about. But anyway, I met Jeremy on the show and uh, he was just this kid who just was so friendly, like the funniest, like, Super funny kid, friendly. And there was a bunch of kids in that group uh, that he hung out with. Uh, and I know, um, like, Justin Bruins. You know him? No, I got yeah. that. So he, now he's, like, filming for the Sherpas and stuff. He was there. Oh, wow. His mom got him, like, he was a camera assist. And, like, they were trying to get me to camera assist. I'm like, I don't know anything about cameras. He's like, I'll do it. He kind of knew a bit. But you just jump in. And TV's weird because sometimes you get, I don't think anyone knows what they're doing when they first start. There's, I'll do it. And then you just learn. And, like, I think a lot of people for TV are kind of outcasts in a way. They're not outcasts, but they're kind of like, 
don't know what they want to do, but they want to do something fun. They do it, they just jump in. Mm-hmm. So it's cool. I mean, I didn't know Jeremy was doing that, but it's it's definitely what I was saying before is like, you just jump in and do it. And I think after being a camera operator, uh, there's a dude that used to run Sweetgrass. You know Sweetgrass Films? They used to make, yeah. yeah. So I was working on an IMAX movie and the dude, I can't remember his name, shows up and he's the DOP. Cool. And he came from like working on like Sweetgrass, like making like Ski and Sober movies out of, I don't know, Rebel Star, or I don't know where he's from, but uh, yeah. So there's, the avenue is like, it's a surprise when you see it. I know a lot of guys that, are, that have done that and girls too, yeah. Yeah, I think you've got to adapt and I totally agree that um, as you're kind of, you start off with the crew and you kind of like, you, you, like for, for me, it was uh, the Los Amigos. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I, I was like way older than these yeah, guys. Right, like yeah. I'm 34 now. Yeah, like right. I don't know how I managed to do it. Like yeah. I, 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 I don't. Like, right. I, I just, I, I, I kind of ran into Dylan and, and uh, Axel one day yeah. and started shooting with them. And I think honestly, like I, I don't try to be someone I'm not in that respect. I'm just like, look, I just I'm here to shoot. I'm here yeah. to like do my best. Like you, you guys yeah. do your thing. Like yeah. I'll. I, I learned a lot on that, on that, on the job type of thing, but yeah. like, um, everyone's making up as they go along oh, in that dude. respect. And like, Everyone. no one also, there's not much pressure. And I, you, I'm the person who puts the most pressure on myself. Sure. It's not these guys yeah. were never like, Oh, like we were disappointed with their shots. It's like, yeah. uh, the, the shots were always pretty decent because they're good riders. Yeah. Uh, but long story short, <laughs> they, they've all, they've all kind of, They've all graduated and moved on to their careers. Because they were like UBC when I when I met them. They were doing the intersection, and you're part yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, yeah, a small part of that. Yeah, but you're. I mean, you were like involved in a bit, and they were they were just like university kids. Yeah. Just now they don't they ski, but they just have their career. That's cool. Yeah, and after that, then um, I, I I kind of branched out a little bit. I had like connections with some some local athletes, but yeah, um, it's. I'm a, a kind of introverted on more, more side. It's kind of, right. it's, a, it's a big effort to go yeah. and like reach out to like people I barely know or sure. like I'm fairly good at networking, but it's still a lot of to go out with someone to shoot skiing. It's uh, there's a lot of dynamics involved and it's, yeah, it's you sure can't just be is. like, Hey, like I'm just going to go like Mark Abner was someone I've always, want, I've always wanted to shoot yeah. with. And I had the, you know, the, the you shot the, with them though. I think, right. I think I yeah, 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 I shot yeah, with them last yeah, season, yeah. that yeah. amazing storm cycle that right. hit like Pemberton, yeah. That valley yes yeah, and like that, that those shots to me are always going to be really special but yeah um but like uh that's that's an example of just like kind of one person i was like i always wanted to, sure. to shoot with them yeah. but now now like with the los amigo guys have all moved out they're moving mostly down in vancouver like it's just you need you need so much um uh what's the word i'm looking for here um you need to keep up momentum right ski yeah, photography sure. like yeah. you need to have people that you can always go out with like mm-hmm. and people who are hungry to do it yeah. and the the cycle that i i kind of witnessed was yeah like people their local kids or their semi-pro athletes that want to get sponsored who are riding super hard yeah and um then something else happens and right. they, they move on which is absolutely fair i don't yeah think for sure being a pro pro ski is like a pretty small minority of people yeah but that being said i did then get the opportunity to work with like jeff thomas oh Blank dope. yeah that guy man that, guy so that was like also a legend. yeah i mean jeff thomas is one of my heroes <laughs> yeah for sure for many he's reasons awesome. i want to get him like, on the show he, yeah you should yeah um, he's um he worked switchback entertainment yeah um and i think maybe msp i don't know he was he had his own company called theory three for a while yeah way back in the day yeah. he was filming his own stuff then he t- went to poor boys poor boys sorry that was yeah it, not they, MSP. poor boys uh, scooped up because he had like guys like charlie agger and a bunch of guys who were like all these guys that were shredders 
and uh, somewhere on the way, I don't know the exact thing, but uh, somewhere on the way, yeah, he absorbed into into Poor Boys, and then he worked, yeah, uh, switched back with Mikey, Mike, mm-hmm. uh, Mike Douglas, yeah, and then uh, he went to Origin Design for a while, yeah, yeah the guy's had a c- cool career, and he's now he's back in skiing somewhere again. Yeah, again, yeah, like he does a lot of work for companies like yeah. Head. Yeah. Like he's one of his main clients. Yeah, but he, uh, yeah, that guy's awesome. Yeah, I mean, th- this dude just like gets the commercial aspect of mm-hmm. content creation yeah. in the outdoor world. Yeah, and tr- trust, they're not an easy match. Like, no, it's not like you're going into a studio shoot and you know what your day is going to cost and your models are going to cost and everything mm-hmm. costs. It's like uh, he's been doing it for long enough times. So he probably has a rough idea. Sure, but like. I think they did like a nine day trip to, to, um, Mount Baker this year or something. Cause, yeah. cause this, they, I think they went for a weekend and then it just kept snowing and snowing yeah. and snowing. And you're like, well, how do you plan for that kind of budget and blah, yeah. blah, blah. So it, 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 not only that from the business side and creative side, this dude just, he's so good uphill. He beat me on the uphills. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I thought he's yeah. just an absolute savage. That's good. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. I remember I worked with him a few times, um, but it's like, you know, I think a lot of these things too, we used to have like, you know, I used to work, not work with MSP, but I would, when they'd come to town, I'd work with them to help them do some stuff in town and stuff. And I think a lot of the money left because you'd go to a place and you have to wait for weather because you're all helicopter stuff, mm. right? So you'd wait and you'd spend like 20 grand just hanging out and then you'd, you'd maybe get one day. So that, that movie you're making, you just burn nine days sitting there doing nothing. Mm. Where I think these smaller crews you can go, I think a lot of now, especially now with like a lot of the emphasis on like uh, ski touring and stuff, mm-hmm. you kind of, people expect it to be more like, you're on the ground more, a little bit slower, but uh, yeah, if you can have the flexibility, I guess people trust them though too. If you have trust and if your clients trust you, you can go and sit somewhere forever and get it done, right? I mean, you have a track record of proving yourself, so. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is is knowing the right days to go out. Mm-hmm. Like he's just, and, and people like him are just, you know, they're weather watchers. Yeah. They're, they're just, and especially it's if you weird. know the local area. Yeah. Uh, I, I went out with him uh, on a, day, a backcountry day and, uh, you know, turning up at the trailhead, it was raining, like raining and gray and overcast. And I was like, Jesus, this is going to be a long, shitty yeah. day. And then uh, <laughs> it was kind of gray until 10. 11 o'clock came, sun came out. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. And I was like, we're getting bangers. Like, yeah, that's sweet. It's like, I think too, living in this, in this town in the Pacific Northwest, the weather's usually pretty shit. So you know to work with it, right? Like if you're working in Colorado, you're working in like, I don't know where else, maybe like, you know, more like interior stuff. Um, you kind of get better days or like longer stretches, I think, right? Or better snow. But in the Northwest, it's like, you're dealing with pouring rain in the valley a lot of the times but you know it's just nuking up top. Mm. And like, I think that's like, there's a style to this, to filming in this area. There's a style to filming in East Coast stuff. There's some of these styles of like, kind of, kind of develop. And uh, I think this is why we get people that, are, like I said before, you get people that are good at their craft because they have to deal with the shit. They have to deal with like, either shitty athletes who get mad because they didn't get the shot they want and they're yelling at you because you didn't get the shot you want. I'm sure you've dealt with that before. I've seen it, I've seen it a few times. Or like, uh, yeah, just like, ah, oh, it was like, it's the weather's too shitty or we got to wait. Like you just learn to deal with the adversity and it makes you better at your craft. How do we use your camera better? What settings to use and stuff? Yeah, I yeah. agree. I think it's like, and that's how some of these guys make it in the film industry. Cause they, they, everything in the film industry is pretty well like, uh, like structured. We're shooting this today. We're going to control the light. We're going to control that stuff. And I think maybe that's one of the toughest things for these guys is like learning about like what the studio aspect is like. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, um, 
working your camera with like little support. It's uh, the chaos order paradigm. Yeah, I'm right. a big fan of the old chaos order thing. Yeah. And it applies directly to, to ski photography and any photography, I think, um, because you, and Berger talked about this a little bit on the podcast too, like he doesn't go out with, you know, necessarily shots in mind or right. it's a, it's a, it's a, an unfolding process. Right. Whereas if you're going for a client shoot in a studio day, it's like, I know exactly what I'm shooting. Right. Like I, I, you have to, because the, the client ex- has expected results yeah. and deliverables. So right. it's this like very, very different style, but I've, I, I'm so grateful that I, I learned and honed a lot of my skills with ski photography because the, it, it's just an, a way to explore and a way you've got to keep flow. Right. Because keeping flow when you're out in the mountain with two or three athletes, variable weather conditions, um, takes a, it takes a good amount of like communication skills sure. and yeah. just w- working a team. Yeah. So that served me extremely well in my commercial work I do now. Yeah, right. Because sometimes we go bigger shoots. I'm running a team. Like I'm yeah. directing or doing shooting and directing. That's cool. So in, in these environments in the cannabis industry, a lot of the time are... That they're, they're they're less variable. Let's say a mountain top, sure, but they're, yeah, they're still variable. Yeah. Like, uh, you, especially if you've not shot in that facility before. Yeah. Like, obviously, we ask all the right questions ahead of time, but you'll you'll you might not be able to. <laughs> I ran into this problem the other day. You can't turn some lights off, dude. I I shot like I said, I worked with before, and like, and then the lighting in there it was sucks shooting oh the lighting so that's but that's like yeah that doesn't phase me man yeah, because yeah. like i've shot in the worst yeah. conditions possible so again you can like that's what i was saying earlier like that, that you can relate you can like those skills have, have like in, impacted your career in cannabis right oh absolutely yeah. absolutely i'm a better shooter in the cannabis <laughs> the because lighting in the cannabis industry is so funny because like uh yeah and then you or you can't take the plant out because there's all these rules and regulations about how you do things and you can do them people just go and do it right mm. but um, I was at a shoot. I hired a, hired a photographer. I hired Chris McCann to shoot some stuff uh, a couple of times, and uh, and then I hired. And then we had an agency who did some stuff, and they brought in their own photographers and stuff. But um, we, yeah, I mean, you try to take it out of the facility to shoot it. So you just got to clip a plant. You want to bring the plant out, but there's so many hurdles that you're supposed to jump to to get it out there. And you're like, well, I might as well just shoot in the fucking grow room while it's shitty lighting, so I have to get it over with. Yeah, but like, it's tough. Well, I figured out I figured out that I wasn't ever gonna like get studio quality shoot shots in the grow room. Just yeah, simple as you that. Can, yeah, for sure. Just because there's a million things going on. Yeah. You've got the lighting, which you d- touched on. You got fans going. You got D hums going. Mm-hmm. It's a cramped environment. It's hot. Yeah. There's people working. Yeah. The plants are moving all over the shop. Like yeah. it's not a conducive environment to shoot yeah. any. I would say studio quality work. Yeah. So a lot of the time, man, we ended up or ended up. Sh- creating the the, the pop-up studios like yeah. in the corridor yeah for sure like yeah. i've done it in a shed before man mm-hmm. yeah. like <laughs> professional photographers like if you're a studio photographer in toronto and you're like oh i shot this in the studio they'd assume it's like a big white you know high ceiling all this stuff all yeah, these plugs. No. i'm like dude like it's sometimes it's the smallest space and to try to we're doing it with black background because yeah. your light's flying everywhere with white walls I, I mean, I'm sure there are like other places that are as difficult to work in, but I mean, it was jumping off in the deep end. And I, 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 and I like that to be honest, because it, it, not everyone can do it and you've got to actually it figure out you. some stuff. It tests your skills and it tests your like resolve to do it. And also the good thing was, is there wasn't a lot of people who did it, excuse me, before. So like you, yeah, I'm not saying you didn't have to be the quality and you clearly have incredible quality, but like you could, you were allowed to have a learning curve because 
there was nobody setting the standard before. Like you, hundred percent. If am I am I the way I look at it is someone like yourself who's was there even before legalization, and everyone thinks legalization like everyone was selling weed for like you know hundreds of years or whatever else, but. Uh, yeah, like you were kind of there at the beginning to shoot stuff, right? Like at the beginning of legalization, when people wanted those beauty shots, when they wanted that certain stuff. And when having, there was money. Yeah, right. Yeah, dude. When there was money, I, that money went, went, went away fast. Eh? <laughs> that was worse than the ski and snowboard industry. Oh, yeah. Uh, but so I look at it now and I see your work now. And, um, you know, I, 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 would, I would always talk about the black background. The white was getting old and stale. Um, and then you try to get like movement stuff. We looked at like... Uh, trying to hire like 3D artists to do like, you know, these programs where, you, you know, the cameras are all around and shoot stuff. And um, the innovation, we're like, but we're just shooting buds and people, the, the the audience just wants to see up close, big crystals and all this shit, right? And so trying to innovate was almost, it didn't seem like it was worth it at some point in the mm-hmm. cannabis space. And maybe it is now, I've been gone for a while. So, but it seemed like at that time, if you're trying to innovate, you're too far ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to like, just, we need to get photos out. And then all the times, you couldn't show a, like a joint smoking. You couldn't even show that because you'd get busted by Health Canada. Mm-hmm. Everyone's Instagram account getting shut down. It still happens now. Mm-hmm. So all this weight of you spending money, and I think you work with a few good brands who are probably just like, we're doing it, we don't care. Like There's like a few like renegade brands who do great stuff, and they, they shoot stuff. But yeah, it's like a weird... Uh, that industry, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy because you, you're just shooting butts, mm. and people want it. But like then it's like this... Like, uh, um, you, you can't, there's certain stuff you just can't do. So you're, you're kind of tied to it. So having to work within those boundaries is pretty tough too, I'd imagine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, excuse me. If you're in marketing, like if you're in a creative marketing or a strategic marketing in the cannabis industry, props to you because like it's, (laughs) it's a difficult space to be in. Yeah, sure. Um, not only have you got like in crazy regulations, um, you've got immense industry pressure, like the supply demand is all over the shop. Like right. part of the reason why the cannabis industry is struggling so much now is because there was just so much demand, yeah. sorry, so much supply, oversupply at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and of poor quality product. Things yes. are stabilizing now, yeah. but the price, um, uh, the price crunch, like the prices have dropped so, 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 much, so much. My buddy picked up an ounce for 130 bucks the other day and it was actually pretty decent. That would have cost like 350 bucks uh, like at the early season, early part of the kind of, of the probably yeah. more than that. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, 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 that type of thing is like, just you asked, you know, is earlier, like, what's it like? I mean, it's changing all the time Yeah. from a, from a, from a marketing creative perspective, like firstly, marketing perspective, there's a lot of money being spent on retail right now, oh, which that's, is yeah. smart yeah, because, um, it's actually contrary to, my uh, uh, hypothesis a while back anyway was I thought there was still a lot of sales online Mm -hmm. and that's not really the case anymore like buying on the BC cannabis stores on the OCS it's a horrible experience oh it's it's terrible (laughs) Mendo places are getting better like but you still got to wait a couple of days to get get your pack so I mean it's not great but it's and it's also not that actually any cheaper than just going to the store. Well, in the store is like, now there's more stores opening up. Yeah. Before some places didn't have a store for like, you know, you couldn't get, you had to drive 50 kilometers or something to get to a store. Yeah. So it made sense to buy it online. Yeah. So that was a big challenge. So there's a lot of money going sort of retail marketing, which is why, um, you know, if you go into not any dispensary, but some dispensaries, you're going to see a good, some of my work, my work there, Kyle's work yeah. there, like, oh, yeah. uh, because that's point of sale. Yeah. Uh, and that and that really does make an impact like for sure it does. the regulations like we can't open cannabis in the store like there's so no smell dumb. you can't see it so 
and I said this from the get-go, I'm like, if anyone questioned why the budget you should be putting into your photography, it's like, well, that's the only vision, that's the only cue people have to decide on whether it's good. Yeah. The other thing, it's the name of the strain. Yeah. And the brand that you're, you know, the, the trust in the brand, but like without the name of the strain but people just make up strains they grab a stuff but like this is purple og like no it's not it's something else or like i think the brand the company i worked for they lost a bunch of um not broken coast but i worked for like a bigger company i think it's till right now was after you um you'd grow strains and then you you just name it and it'd be like this is a cross of this and then they you'd be like well and then you'd name something and then somebody like no it's not the original like some if when you get the legacy market, uh, these are dumb terms, I guess old terms, but like get the legacy market, they'll call you on stuff. You're like, no, dude, that's not what that is. I've been, gro- I've the ones who created these seeds in like Montreal, whatever, and in, in the '80s, or whatever. And that's not that. Tell us how you got that genetic, and you're like, you can't because like, we just made it up. Yeah, I <laughs> so agree. So people are like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's where legacy is meeting the legal, and 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 it's getting it's it's a a gray area, I guess. Yeah, because it's you're commercializing a whole new product and people are going about it in their own different ways. Right. And like the names, some of the traditional strain names aren't conducive to the, the modern market. I'll give you a perfect example here. Coast Mountain Cannabis is one of our client I work closely with. We have um, uh, a strain called LSD, yeah, which is can't a put that. old school strain. Like yeah. it's a beautiful sativa. Yeah. Um, we applied or CMC applied to have that. They won't let you put it. No, yeah. Can't have that. So that's we've, we've called it Lucy in the sky. Yeah. Um, because it's, which is, yeah, the, that's, but that's like to the Beatles, obviously, which is all about, which is a crazy copper workaround because everyone knows that's what it means anyway. Like everyone knows Lucy in the sky. If you know LSD, you know, that's what Lucy, like it's so when I worked for broken coast, they'd have these great strains, but they would, they, when I, before I got there, they named them like after local islands around. So the yeah. quadro and stuff. And yeah. it kind of worked for a while. And I kind of thought about it. I, th- I thought it was good for a while, but then, People didn't know what it was. I agree. And they were like, we don't. So they, they've since gone back to naming it uh, long after I've been gone. But they've since gone back to naming it strains. I highly encourage that. Yeah, I because, thought, yeah, I think so too. Because if like, and, and the more educated the consumer get, gets, they're, yeah. they're going to know like some lineage that they they're right. like. Like if you like jet fuel gelato or something, because there's a specific <laughs> yeah. taste to it. Yeah. Or like runts is a good example where it's like, mm-hmm. a, it's a kind of a more of a unique kind of taste right. and profile. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you've got like a cool cross and you're not going to like capitalize on that, then you've shot yourself in the foot yeah, right. because when you go into the store and someone, and someone's asking or talking about, uh, you're talking to the bud tender about what kind of strains you've enjoyed in the past and you're using actual strain names, yeah. then their jobs to, then remember about all these LPs, like yeah. producers that have got all these weird names that, yeah. you know, that it makes sense from a marketing perspective, yeah. but I don't think it makes sense from a cultural perspective. And like, that's my main gripe with the industry is like, it's, it's shooting itself in the foot in a way because it's, it's, it's a commodity already, but by right. the fact you're just like renaming stuff and making the genetics that less important you're just you're just making you're devaluing it even more so yeah here's my prediction um we're gonna see two very clear segments of the market in the recreational space at least um uh the sort of the big box named by the brands kind of like uh what i would generally call mids yeah right like nothing crazy 
good. Yeah. Nothing crazy bad because quite frankly, you can't sell bad weed anymore. No, it's just, you, it's, you it's just it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the consumers, thank God, like yeah. we passed that phase. Yeah. Good job, Canada. Good yeah. job, weed industry. Yeah. Thanks everybody. We appreciate your work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like buying like top shelf craft, small batch cannabis is going to, it should be slightly more expensive. And people so. will yeah. pay for that quality if it's yeah communicated in the way so i think we're going to see like that hundred that 130 dollar uh ounce in that kind of like um uh that, that mids category yeah that you know you could walk in you can go to the dispensary you can say to the bud tender hey i'm going away for the weekend with the homies i need an ounce i need yeah. an ounce what you got you and got, say, got like, this, good this, supply this. or bingo or something we'll just give you this and it's yeah. like super cheap yeah but then you're like oh, i've got this thing coming up i've got you know I re- we're doing this dinner or something and i really want to like I want to bring out this or I want to, I want to, I, I want to impress this person or I want to kind of show someone this yeah. or whatever it is like, or they might have a specific Turk profile they really like, or yeah. they've heard about this new strain that they want to try. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's creating more of a, um, intentional product. You know yeah. It's I mean? kind of like, you know, you, you go to the cigar shop and you go and buy like maybe a pack of like, you know, like mini cigars. But when you want to go to a real cigar, you go buy like a good like human or you buy a nice cigar and go with your mm-hmm. buddies. What got me when I worked in the industry, and maybe it's changed, and I hope it has, was the people who were just fucking idiots didn't know what was going on in the industry. They came from like wine or they came from like um, like tobacco sales. They came from these things and they were just like, they learned about what it's like to just manipulate a market, manipulate the product and just sell things that don't really, that are kind of fibs and lies. Mm. And I noticed um, that has, that impacted like a lot of people's even just motivation to get into the industry and people just left and stuff. And this like, that's what totally ruined a lot of good brands or a lot of like, or brands that have potential mm-hmm. and took that, you know, cheap bag of weed and tried to sell them. People sell a cheap bag of weed for a lot of money mm-hmm. because no one, no one cared. Yeah. The consumer did care, but they didn't have a choice and yep. you could still buy from the black market. So, um, I think that industry got a, got shit on a bunch from those people. And, and as they leave, well, that's why it's probably getting better now. Cause they've been, you know, I mean, even for example, a company I used to work for, uh, the big company, like people that I felt that way about, they're no longer there. Mm-hmm. And now they've kind of righted the ship and they're changing things around a bit. Uh, I think that's like, I don't really have a lot. I don't want to make a bunch of comments on that, but um, yeah, I think the industry, it's like anything. I mean, I don't know a lot about it anymore. I've been out, out of it for a while, but uh, it has changed in the, in four, in four years. It's changed a ton. Yeah. It's, it's evolving. And if I had to say, yeah. I think it's going for the better. Yeah, for like, sure. Things yeah. are changing for the better. It does mean there's going to be a lot of people who are going to, to lose out, unfortunately. And, uh, that's it's it's a it's a it's a free market economy. Like, right. yeah, what do you like, think about? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Like, I'll give you. An, you're totally right on the fact that like there was huge overvaluations. There was a lot of just people trying to make quick money. Um, and I know you know I'm not an economy expert or anything like that, but I'm sure it's not the first time. It won't be the last time. Anytime there's a new industry, oh, like gonna, mushrooms, there's gonna when be, they come out. Yeah, it's probably. I don't think it's gonna be the same scale, but I think there will be that same type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we've learned a couple of lessons along the way, but I doubt it. You know what's gonna be crazy to me is uh, people just walking around high on mushrooms more than you used to. Like people who aren't like, I mean, people do it, but I mean, like, I don't think it's the same as weed. To be honest, man. Like, I, I, I think no. it's gonna be a much, much smaller industry. Like, the weed industry is gonna be. It's a trillion dollar business. Yeah, and like magic mushrooms and psilocybin i think it's more for like maybe more like a therapy thing as i think it's going to be it is they're trying to push it for that which weed weeds and medicine but everyone just wanted to get high yeah the whole medical thing i mean i get it but it does do some things but the whole push for that was to make it legal or something and people make money i mean i've had people tell me that that i worked with and it's like 
the medical thing was good, but I think for mushrooms, I don't know. I feel like you can't, you can't just casually eat mushrooms. <laughs> no, like it's your day. Yeah. Like you can smoke. I, I, to be perfectly honest, like if I smoke a joint, that's pretty much my day done. Yeah. Like I, I won't be, I won't be as functional for the rest of the day. I can yeah. still enjoy my day and hang around, but like yeah. mushrooms, like you, it's a write-off. Like I, and I'm doing not doing mushrooms because I, I, it's enjoyable, but it's also like it's an experience sure, like it, you, yeah. you're into it for the, that trip like, like i think microdosing is gonna be popular it is already i think that'll be like that small dose where you don't feel it but people want it to like for like mood boosting and stuff i think that's like probably going to be a big big part of that industry that's i think probably one of the opportunities that like yeah. the chads and like the you know the corporations will yeah, jump on as sort sure. of that this is a because because the there's a lot of more lawsuit problems. Like oh, if you're just taking magic mushrooms and doing random stuff because you perceived it to be safe, that's yeah. a significant problem. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think, I don't know. Uh, it's, a, but I think the weed industry is pretty crazy. Um, I agree with the medical bit though. Like yeah. one thing, like I think that as new markets open up around the world would be very smart to, to look at yeah. is this differentiation between the medical and the recreational because right. at the beginning, um, it was, and, it, and it, don't get me wrong, there still is a, a very important need for medical cannabis. Mm -hmm, for because sure. Because yeah. there is a s certain small population, part of the population which genuinely need it. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not a medical expert, but I've ha heard enough stories and I've worked at enough companies and yeah. I've seen the emails that people send. I've seen the feedback and it yeah. totally improves people's lives. And they're kind of getting screwed now. They're kind of, the people are like stopping medical sales and you just get it from a shop now. Yeah. So here's an, this is the argument, right? Yeah. Because uh, there's that part of it, but also there's this kind of gray, gray middle, which I would go to far as say is probably 80% of the med And I, I'm just, that's yeah, just, yeah, a, sure. just the yeah. Pareto principle. Yeah. The 80 we don't get, fa we don't get fact checked on this podcast. No, dude, I've got a medical thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. like I've got a medical one. Like right. I've got 300 grams a month. I can't that you can grow. That means you can grow it too, right? Tons of it. Uh, you can grow anyone can grow four plants. I know, but you, uh, you ACM PR is a different thing. But yeah. Like, but that's pretty easy to get. And you can just. Someone can say, yeah, you got to smoke 10 grams a day and you can grow a ton of weed. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. But um, so the the medical programs really it helped a lot of people get into the, into sort of, I don't know, I've lost my train of thought. So the there's the 20, like a small percentage of people who really need that medical cannabis yeah. because they're treating specific illnesses. Whereas sure. a lot of the, med, of the medical rhetorics around about insomnia, sleep patterns, all that sure. kind of stuff, right. which are, don't get me wrong, it's still a condition. Right. However... And this is just my personal opinion. I don't think a good proportion of the symptoms that are associated with medical cannabis use probably cannabis probably isn't the best solution right. to it. Yeah, and sure. again, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, because sure. having smoked cannabis for ten years, yeah, for insomnia, yeah. you try stopping cannabis yeah, and trying right. to sleep because yeah. it's pretty tough. I uh, agree. Yeah, I mean, I smoked. I started smoking when I was twelve years old. Uh, I don't. I haven't smoked now for like four months. I just quit. I not. I didn't quit for good. But I was like, I need to just like you know. I don't think it's a benign substance. Like there's there's stuff to it for sure. If you do, you know, especially when you're young. Um, but I stopped doing it. Uh, and it's definitely, I definitely more motivated for mm. sure. And you can just see things change. Sleeping though, I get like crazy dreams stuff. Like I, I yeah, I sleep better now that I don't do it. But it took me a long time to to, to be able to fall asleep for sure. Like a month or two before I could like actually fall asleep. But that happened to be like yeah. Yeah, because well, you think about it too, right? Like, oh, I should just go skip, get baked, and go to sleep. Yeah, well, it's and t t to me, like it, that. That's kind of like uh, in that kind of like gray medical area. Yeah, it has the potential to create more problems than it's solving sure. in that yeah. respect, because um, especially around insomnia. 
because yeah. people think, oh, I can smoke weed and I can sleep. And it's like, well, you're not solving the problem. You're just That's the thing about the- all this stuff too, like mushroom stuff. Like you're still like, I think they want you, I guess it's, I used to say you're still taking a drug, whether it's mushrooms, whatever it is, you're still taking a drug, but it is better than taking like a chemical sleeping pill, like an ambient or whatever it is to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. I get that for sure. Well, our bodies have the um, endocannabinoid system. In. Yeah. So we're actually somewhat evolved to yeah. take the, the medical, medicinal, the, the good benefit properties yeah. from cannabis. And it there's an actual system in our bodies for it. What's crazy is the difference between eating it and smoking it. Mm. When you eat it, it can just <clears throat> fuck you up. Like you, like if you're not, I have friends who can eat it and nothing happens. And I've heard stories mm. of people that can take a bunch. But the funny thing is that when you eat it and then compared to smoking it, it's so different, eh? yeah i would say so <laughs> yeah. but that's opened a whole new market too with the, yeah. with the edibles and yeah like i get it from a it's a tough regulatory thing to be honest because mm-hmm. it affects everyone differently right. and i think that's going to be the, the toughest thing with um, psilocybin is how they're going to regulate it i don't think it's going to be recreational for a while and I, I know maybe no. that's short-sighted because but let's think about cannabis cannabis did take a long time to become yeah. legal i know we're on this kind of track now legalize one thing it kind of opens the door to the conversation about the other things BC just not just but a few months ago decriminalized cocaine and yeah you uh, can have a gram of each or whatever or you have up to you can have up to three and a half grams on you of different varying things yeah I mean that's a Which, whole different conversation but <laughs> yeah my point is that well we're coming we seem to be sort of in this revolution of like okay let's try and see like what's you can new- get ketamine nasal sprays in California wow. you can get it for like depression and stuff and I'm like what on ketamine and these the treatments but you can get they do um yeah, this ketamine nasal spray, and then there's um, Bill Ottman. He just he's like this um, like a psilocy or a psychedelic uh, propon- proponent, I guess I call it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and like he's like a t- doctor, and he's into re- he's does other research, and he's like uh, he's talking about the MDMA uh, um, like trials of like um, depression, that kind of stuff. He's like, but we still talk about, there's still the come down effect and they can't stop that. But they're trying to find new chemical ways to create MDMA without having these chemical come downs. Mm. They're working on, on ketamine as well too, but I can't like some of these things. I, I mean, whatever I've done them all, I guess, but like you, a ketamine nasal spray to me, that, that to me is like, if that's, if that's something that's available now in California, I just, I don't even know what it'd be, I don't know why you'd, like, how can you let somebody walk out of that, go out and spray ketamine in the nose and then get in their car and drive? Mm. Yeah, and then it <laughs> opens up a whole new yeah. territory of challenges. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, there's there's definitely, oh, definitely, I mean, there's there's potential medical uh, benefits to a lot of yeah. these, and right. we're just only starting to understand. Yeah. But as far as I wear at this particular juncture, it's probably better that it's done in a clinical setting. Mm-hmm. Like I think even with like psilocybin is a good example because again, it's been uh, a, a chemical or it's been used through millennia by yeah. tons of different cultures and yeah. uh, everyone's got their own rituals around it. And I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy mushrooms too, yeah, for but sure. like, it's not like I do them. I do, I do them about once every two to three months. Right. Yeah. And it's usually I go out cause usually I'm like, I've been doing the same thing for a while. I just need to go out and reset and go into yeah. go out into nature and just yeah. kind of like decompress. Um, and I kind of know what to expect now. Yeah. Like I don't get, I remember my first trip quite vividly actually. And it changed my life. I know that's a, whatever a, it does, man. I'm going like, to check my camera. Here. Absolutely. Not like I would say as profoundly as some people say, but I could, it, it, it certainly changed my, my outlook on some things and and how I see the world and how I see myself and it's probably start it opened a door that's 
that it that has led to more discovery and um kind of uh, a better understanding in myself and all that type of thing and that is i feel that's something that's something you're doing almost like a self-improvement thing sure yeah and it's, it's, it is a mental health thing yeah. as well um but that's to me not recreational i smoke no. weed recreationally because yeah. i like to relax i used to yeah. hang with my friends it makes watching movies more enjoyable it makes yeah. food taste better <laughs> like sure. i can't say anything about that with mushrooms they taste bad yeah they makes your stomach like dodgy yeah um, if you're around people that aren't on them you feel weird oh man i can't <laughs> do mushrooms with if i'm not with yeah. other people with mushrooms even if i if i know that around and like i'm like yeah. they can they can hear me dude i get paranoid dude yeah. like i'm like even in like the yeah i i wonder about these things too i mean we can get off the drug topic here in a second yeah, but cool. i feel like um i'm curious about anybody who's a proponent or tries to promote these things and wants them to become they've done the drug i don't and i think it's probably pretty well known or pretty well understood that i think anybody who doesn't if anybody under, like appreciates the effects and what they can have on you as like you know psychologically and you know emotionally and stuff like that if you uh, i don't think anybody who's done them wants them to not be legal mm. like i would bet even people who are like cokeheads who are or were in like rehab wouldn't say this drug shouldn't be legal this is just a speculation of mine but i don't mm. feel like uh anybody who's done the drug would go this should not be legal whether it's mushrooms whatever it is right I think anybody who hasn't done it, I don't know how, I don't know how you get to say it shouldn't be, if you haven't done any research on it, you mm. know, you shouldn't be able to say it's not, it shouldn't be on the market. And I guess, or, or, I, I agree with limitations and certain things for sure. But it is weird that, like I wonder how many cops fucking do drugs and just enforce it all day. You know, mm. people who are like doing this stuff and like, it's obviously corrupt cops and stuff, but people who are like, you know, I don't see it anybody who's even like a, a past addict like i don't think anybody who who was an alcoholic would say we should bring back prohibition mm -hmm. you know which is like the alcohol is the worst thing for you pretty much yeah i mean it's certainly not good for you there's actually <laughs> no like yeah no f physical benefits to it like no. you could argue that it creates positive social environments but they could also argue it creates negative social environments yeah but i think I, I agree to your point it's like i, I think uh, and that's why i think education is so important and yeah. actually that it's being researched yeah like cannabis until like it's still federally legal in the states they're yeah. still not allowed to do federally um funded research on it right. so and i think they're starting to do it on psilocybin and things like that in in the states certainly in canada i think it's happening yeah like actual studies yeah but i mean which i find it's ironic there's so it's so far ironic that i think there's like thousands of years of like cultural use yeah and like good knowledge and useful information yeah and then we're like okay but our scientists need to like dissect it in a lab and come up with some test results and then we need to do a clinical study on this amount of people before we can say it's safe and it's like i understand we need we, we i don't both are right I'm not saying one's yeah, better right. or wrong, right. one's right or wrong. We, we absolutely need, we need, we need both. We right. can't, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. We can't it's just accept yeah. that, you know, all the cultures, you know, previously were, were correct in every single way. Sure. Because we've changed. Like the humans, our society's different. Our bodies are different. Our chemistry is different. We've right. evolved. So we need to make sure that if we're going to be saying that something is safe for human consumption, what does that mean yeah right i just think like I, I don't even know i think it's funny that you know you 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 the the cannabis scene in the u.s um you have to 
make a drug a certain class, like bring it to, it's gotta be, you gotta change its like designation in the, in the legal system, I guess, right? Be able to, uh, be able to work on it and stuff or be able to um, do scientific research on it. But then I think the doctor, when you look at like a doctor who's studying cannabis and studying these drugs, they're not like your typical doctor. They have they have a bit of a longer hair. They maybe they don't button up the shirt all the way, so they mm. kind of look like they're a bit of a like pothead. So like I think it maybe that there's that image of the old pothead style. If you think about like as a pothead, you like a burnout. But I think in the in the people who are doctors of cannabis and who are doctors of medicine like that, they have a little bit less edge to them. So maybe they'll maybe maybe this hard to trust. Maybe the lawmakers are having a hard time trusting these doctors. This is probably maybe I'm going to get called out for this, but they kind of look like they're potheads. I mean, maybe you know they, I mean? Like, sometimes, but I mean, I think like the you know federally funded studies are going to be pretty white diverse lab coat for sure. Now. Yeah, I guess like, right. Um, I I know what you mean though, but like, you have guys like Paul Stamets who are like you know <clears throat> pushing for the legalization of it, right? Yeah, I mean, if you have an agenda behind it, then I don't really think you can do but like fair assessments of the studies. Yeah, like, for sure, you, it should be done by a non-biased yeah. like whatever like the well, pharmaceutical companies shouldn't be the ones doing the research on it that's for sure yeah i mean that's a whole <laughs> conversation there for you yeah, but, for sure. uh, but yeah man um yeah so uh we can we can move on from that because I, I don't have a lot of information on that i don't want to you know just eat my own words but yeah no fair enough it's, it's fascinating um yeah. I, I, I i'm excited to be part of the cannabis industry yeah. i think the psilocybin industry is going to have its own unique and interesting challenges but overall i feel that both cannabis legalization and psilocybin legalization will um, be a net benefit. I think that could change our society, the, the psilocybin one for sure. I think it could change it in a better way if people are like, I mean, it's it's going to be done through a bit of greed and stuff for sure to get it out here, but I think it could help change us in a society. Mm-hmm. Um, are you into like, <clears throat> do you get into like conspiracy theories, that kind of stuff? Do you get into like... Um, a little bit, like... I guess that's, that's I take so, everything with a pinch of salt these right, days. Like, yeah. don't believe anything you read on the internet. Yeah, but right. I, there's too many questions and kind of too many coincidences a lot of the time. That, and I, I'm just by nature quite a cynical person. Do you think aliens are real? Uh, I think there are aliens in the universe for right, sure. Right. Maybe not in the form that we all think they're in, but something like. Yeah, I don't think we'll have. I don't think we'll. You know, it's unlikely. I mean, if you look at the statistics, that it's unlikely that we're going to run into them in our in our life. I don't. Right. Yeah, no, I just I asked, just wanted to ask. Yeah, for sure. I'm not I, looking to get to you. I definitely am not written off. Um, whether they're here now, wandering around, right. I, that'd be I, weird, I, right? I would say it's probably low probability, but I'm not. I'm not going to write it off for sure. I wonder, like, even like a simulation where everything's like we could be like in a simulation and stuff. Um, I have you been spending much time with or uh, like looking at AI and ChatGPT and stuff? A little bit, yeah. I haven't done much of it, but I feel like. Uh, like I was thinking about ways to make it work for you, and like, man, I could just say, hey, like ChatGPT, like here's, here's, um, like somehow give it like you know, half a Bitcoin and go here, make me a million dollars. Yeah. See if you could do that, right? Yeah. Because who's coming? Yeah. Who says it can't do it, right? Because yeah, he said he'll tell you how to invest and where to go, right? And if if it's pulling from like millions of data sources, or it's like like the photo stuff, maybe this is probably more directed to you, I guess photos and like realism and stuff that like that, that uh engine what's it called real engine five or whatever it is or real what's it called or... yeah i've forgotten the name of it but i know the one you mean there's like a really successful one there's like uh, there's one it was like image four one. now it's five yeah and i watched and I, it's annoying i can't remember the name of it but I, I watched a video of like the difference between version one and version five now insane, right? and it really is uh yeah it's incredible yeah. um you know like anytime there's this new technology like especially people in that field like have that 
you know, that fear, like, oh, am I going to lose my job? And like, I've had this conversation with quite a few creatives and yeah. uh, it's, 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 it's warranted, but I can't do anything about it. You know what I mean? I can yeah, learn right. it. I can like, I, it's certainly not going to go away. So rejecting it's a stupid, short-sighted idea. Yeah. Um, so I think it's about really, and then it's about, I think it's a larger topic about understanding oneself and humanity. Like right. we're building, I say we, the royal we, the technologists sure, are yeah. building software that will essentially try to figure out like what it means to be human, like what humanity is. Yeah, yeah, and it really does. I, I love this type of stuff, man, because like that's like more than conspiracy theories. I yeah. love learning about how the universe works, sure. how consciousness works, like yeah. how that kind of kind of ties together. And AI is part of that kind of technology now, where mm -hmm. it's it's an avenue of discovery because right. we can create AIs that can start to understand themselves, and if they can replicate and become more and more intelligent, like it's a slip. Well, some people say it's a slippery slope. And you've I mean, suddenly got this, you know, AI computer that will essentially run or I heard, what was it on the podcast you were watching earlier? I think they even say it's going to become a digital God. Yeah. Well, cause it creates itself while it's like, it's, it's the human characteristics are, it's creating itself while it's improving itself while it's learning about itself. And it has like the capability to be introspective more than we do almost as a human mm. in a way that's like, and that might sound weird, but it's like, it has a way to analyze itself more than we do and how to figure out how to like solve that, whatever that is inside. It has a way to build an analyze an analyzation. Is that a word? Analyzation could be whatever it is now. Uh, it has a way to build on itself. Whereas we do, but it's more like spiritual for us. We have to like, kind of like think about where we're bad and you know, how does it work for us? But as a AI has like a thing where it can be like, it knows where it's at, who it is and what it's doing and how to fix it. Um, and as it does that more and more, um, yeah, that AI god or like a, a electric god is crazy mm. to think about. I think one of the challenges, and this is just from what I've heard on podcasts yeah. and things like that. I'm not a, Neither I'm am not I. a technologist or anything like that. <laughs> I'm just but, making shit up. I was like, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, that it's one of the big challenges is it's not embodied in anything, right? Okay, like yeah, the right. way we interpret the world, our brain just—it's not like this is a coffee cup. It's like this diameter. It's this height. It's made out of this material. Like we don't think that. We think it's a coffee cup. It's got coffee and it's Grab it, it's drink for it. drinking. It's an yeah. object. My body interacts with it without thinking. Like yeah. we use things um, to solve problems that we need so the solutions right. to. So if I'm the caffeine or I'm thirsty, like I'm gonna pick it up. Don't even think about it. Right. Like when you train a machine or program a machine to do that, um, they're not. There's no. There's no like situational feedback for them to gain context of what's going on like right. it's a program rather than kind of um something that is uh getting that feedback from the world it's like a one-way thing maybe right yeah i mean and the I, feedback comes mechanically from us like for the most part we operate how, how it reacts until it until the, until we type in what we want to ask it now it knows it and, it, and then it builds on that if our brain had to think about the circumference, what's in every time we thought about it, or we we would move so slowly. Mm -hmm. we because so, I think as a human, we've our brains have been like, you don't need to think about what this is all about. You need to know you want that drink and you drink it, right? You it's a shortcut. About, yeah. So I, we've we've created shortcuts. We probably, we probably never had. There was probably never a long cut for us in the beginning. Anyway, it's just always been shortcuts. But I think yeah, with AI, it's like it needs to do the math or do the for now anyway mm. of like what it all means and maybe when it gets to a point maybe when it, when it gets to these shortcuts that's when we could see like a 
a more related to humanoid type actions and thoughts once it's past like all the calculation point of it all yeah well i would argue that that there probably was a long cut which was evolution right like i think we've probably evolved to pick things up that like or or find useful objects based on just iteration after iteration so the caveman picked up a stone which and then we tried to break another stone and then it was like well it's a sharper the sharper stone is going to be better for doing something like one Uh, thing or rather the next right and that's just pure iteration yeah so and that's what ai's do as far as i understand ai does it's just iterating it's just fast at it but it can't do any physical i mean it can it do i guess when they built robots like uh, boston dynamics they have those like they try to knock over the robots. They, the robot, they have the robot, like, see the one where they have them in a firing range and they're bumping mm-hmm. it as it's shooting and it's like, it can crank itself and shoot. Yeah. Dude. It's <laughs> when, pretty crazy. Yeah. But that's like a rope. So I guess like that would be a rope. If you were to like say, let's say, well, every house has a robot type of thing. Yeah. Does that have AI? Right. Probably not. That yeah. would probably be linked to a central hub. Right. So there'd be like a big data center that is the brain. And right. then it would feed out probably a bit more like iRobot. Yeah, like the vacuum. Yeah, yeah, something right. like that. Right. Like, um, I, I robot. I haven't seen I haven't, that. Who's in I robot? It's like Will Smith. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that guy? <laughs> he got slapped in the face. Or you slapped the guy in the face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's crazy. Eh? Did you see that? Um, have you watched the Chris Rock thing? Did you watch his stand up? I watched like five minutes and it like, wasn't very uh, good. I no, I it turned, it turned me off. Like, he's just, yeah. I, I, I watched and I, I just fast forward to see what he said about uh, Will Smith. And uh, I mean, yeah, he burned him for like 10 minutes. I don't really care. I'm like it's it's all just bullshit anyway. It's mm. like bro, still watching movies. He'll be at movies again, but yeah, yeah. I don't think I've seen iRobot. It's good. Like it's, it's, it's uh, old, right? It's like it's pretty. It's, it, was, it was out a while ago, right? Yeah, it's an older movie. Have you seen Ex Machina? Ex Machina? No, seen? I haven't. That's awesome. I'll check. That's it out. That's really cool. Yeah. Reviews, but if you're saying it's good, yeah, it's really good. I've watched that a few times. Uh, it's great. But yeah, I don't know that that. Uh, I don't have. I've never actually sat and talked to somebody about uh, like AI and like like in a sitting where like i've never actually had anybody sit down and chat about it more than like what i've heard on podcasts i never actually asked a friend about what they think about it well there's there's plenty to discuss i mean we can go back to the 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 photo stuff like like okay so i saw some amazing portraits the other day from it was like uh it was images of like the cuban crisis like when people were trying to flee cuba yeah uh and and and, and like this work it's just like if you didn't tell me it was ai i'd have been like this is you wouldn't have known breath i wouldn't a i wouldn't have known but i'm like yeah. this is such incredible work i'm like yeah but in your brain they're you like it's know, just lit right? too well yeah. it's just lit too cinematically you're like yeah it's like it's it's not it's not it's not a problem in the technical sense it's a situational sense it's just right. like i just know that back in the day there's not cameras that could have done right. that but so, that's because you know right? because i yeah like the average person could be like, that's beautiful like it's crazy because like the comment section was brutal <laughs> the guy the guy in the first line was like these are ai generated these are not photographs and yeah. his whole thing was like i'm doing this as a test to see yeah and people don't even read that no people were fucking irate they're like how dare you use these people struggle to like to oh like these fiction well obviously there were people real but sure. like it wasn't like hey this person this person's name and yeah. this person's place like you're not leveraging their pain you're leveraging the pain of a that whole crisis yeah um and people did not like that at all um there was maybe 80 percent of it was negative 20 percent was positive right and i think that's mainly just a fear fear thing and because people just don't know what fear of the to unknown, think. right? Yeah, don't yeah. know what to think, don't know what to feel. Yeah. And I totally agree. And I, I'm not, I, 
I thought I, I'm, I'm inside. I'm torn. I'm like, well, yeah, it's not photography, but you know, if you had asked someone in the digital, sorry, in the analog age, like when you showed them a digital photograph and let's say you manipulated it in Photoshop, they'd be like, that's not a photograph. Right. So you're like that. What a photograph is is changing. Right. Yeah. I guess. And it's. I mean, it's not even like fix it in post or change. Like put it in your in uh, Photoshop and change it. It's like happening. It comes out that way. It's immediate, right? And I was thinking about this earlier because a lot of the middle class is like it's. We're we're in a service based industry. Sure. We create stuff for other people in the com in the commercial world a lot yeah. of the time. Right. Um, and once i mean eight like the the visual stuff you know it's just the start and like with obviously we've got chat gdp which is like texts and things like that yeah and you know putting aside let's say like how good it's going to get or whatever let's just assume it's going to get to the point where it's as good or better than humans sure just for for it for argument's sake then it's going to affect a lot of people's livelihoods mm -hmm. and and this is may sound controversial but like when it's like some part segments of society, like let's say if you're a trucker or a driver or things like that, um, then people d generally don't seem to care as much. Oh, they're for like, sure. yeah, I agree. They're like, oh, screw those guys. We can have automated trucks. Yeah. I'm going to get my Amazon packages faster. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Like it's just that we kind of seem to feel that there's a, because they're low skilled, not, they're lower skilled jobs, yeah. then they're more, it's more okay for them to be replaced. Sure. Or but just ignore it. Yeah. And so it's like, a vast swath of the population sure, yeah that's like oh i went to university five years ago and now my job's obsolete even i was i I'd follow this lawyer on twitter and he was like he's like he's like showing how you can just get legal advice through chat gpt now and it's like it's as good as anything he was he's like look he's like he's like i experimented he showed this long twitter thread about what he was like i don't remember the whole context but he's basically saying he's like he put this uh the side pot like the scenario out and he's getting going he's like so i can just ask chat tpt and the more what however i prompt it is what makes it more accurate right so i ask it one question i don't get what i want so i ask another question he's like basically he's like you don't have to come to me for certain things now he like you can just type it in there if you if you prompt it correctly you can ask it for these certain things and, and advice and or direction or whatever it is and he's like so he's just more like a beware of the future yeah and i was like whoa fuck i'm like even that kind of stuff uh, I mean, they can make film stuff now, like the real engine. That what it is, right? Mm. Yeah. So even that stuff is like, I don't think, I mean, whether it's in two years, one year or 10 years, I mean, even just like we talk about truckers, like people have to get the, 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 the goods off the truck, put in the warehouse, everything else. Right. I mean, that'd be a long time before that's totally automated, but not that long. So I don't think it's that long at all. No. And then, and then like, I think in fact, it probably already happens at Amazon warehouses. Sure. Yeah. And at some, I mean, at some, even at some, uh, there's a Volkswagen, uh, manufacturer, uh, um, uh, factory that does like the floors all magnetized mm -hmm. and these like carts go by and they work on like bouncing the the way the magnets bounce them around and direct them and stuff. Cool. And it goes and works on cars. And mm. uh, so the cars stay in one spot and the, and the, uh, and the machines go around and get to the, like they get triggered once whatever this machine's done, it gets triggered and moves with it. That's right. I mean, it is dope, but I mean, there's no, there's like probably four guys in the factory just looking at the machines and looking at their scheduling and stuff and just seeing what's up. And, yeah, yeah. So it's, it opens up a really fascinating question, I think, for the humanities humanity yeah. question. It's like, well, yeah. okay, like it brings up the question of like why do people work? Because I think a lot of a lot of people 
work to live so we need yeah. a paycheck right yeah. that's ubi at that point yeah it's most of the people in the world i'd say there's a lot yeah. obviously there is a subset of people which just they don't need the money they work right. for fun or whatever but like i'd say go as far as say that most of the people working to get money so they can pay their mortgage their rent um their car payments or whatever right so when it gets to the point of like critical mass when ai is doing or providing the value that these jobs currently provide then what's going to happen and i think that is a little bit more scary than ai taking over the world per se sure because it means it just means we're going to be a lot of redundant people in a lot of debt that the government not going to be able to do anything about it because they're they can't just create new jobs and new value like value has to come from providing something other people can't yeah and if you if you don't make it if 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 the society doesn't have jobs anymore well, you don't, you don't pay taxes. You're just going to tax co- companies that make stuff. You have to tax a company. And who owns the company? Does an AI own the company? Or does a human own the company, right? And it's like you have to tax somebody to make the roads work and everything else and get these like infrastructure going. So then if people don't work, mm-hmm. and if, and if you have universal basic income, then you have just drones, like just zombies walking around with nothing to do. And maybe people get creative and do stuff, but creativity will be pretty much like automated by then as well too. So you have this like... This colliding of like progress that's in the end. I don't even know. I mean, I, I see it as, I mean, there's there's no exchange of wealth back and forth, which needs to happen in some degree, right? Whether mm-hmm. I, I pay you five bucks for that, you give me five bucks for this, that, that's what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. If that stops, or if we just can't do it, like, I don't, if I don't have, then it's just like fucking like food stamps and, and checks from the government, which where's that money coming from? It's so fucking weird. Well, yeah, and if you continue down that road, what you're going to end up is in a dystopia where you have a collection of conglomerations that own everything, yeah, and essentially dictate to us what you know, what, it's what like, food do we eat, what cars to drive, like all it's that. Like type the Fifth of thing. Element, that movie, you know, where you like that's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> okay, Although awesome. I would say the Fifth Element actually, like, it looks like people have a good amount of personal freedom and choice, whereas sure. I actually don't think that's like it, it, we 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 say we live in a free free economy free is oh. like we actually like if you look closely things are actually becoming more and more i think once cash goes away you're going to see this crazy amount of thing where we don't have i mean you're looking now like where Vale doesn't allow they don't do cash so if you mm-hmm. work at a bar all your money's now tracked by the government you have to you get paid you get tips don't come into you on a regular basis you have to your tips can come on a credit card which i'll track um you can't have i mean you could maybe have like garage sales and stuff that you're doing interact transfers um, everything's tracked and then. So, um, it's, it's already there. I I'm think. less worried about the government. Like everyone, no. everyone's like, Oh, the government, this, the government. I'm like, the government is, is too bureaucratic and short sighted to be effective at manipulating people's behavior to their benefit. Like they're reacting to everything more or less. And right. like, give them credit where credit is due. They do some things well, they do some things not so well, right. and they do some things terribly. Right. They're a human expression of right. governance, which is just a sense of the word for con- control, essentially. Sure, but and I think luckily it, we voted. Like yeah, luckily right. it's a de- luckily for now it's a democratic system. Right. Um in the future, let's say, like going down this hypothesis where corporations essentially dictate um, through AI, kind of like not dictate, but because no one will ever dictate. It'll give you the illusion of choice. Right. And then yeah. it'll be between this one and this one. But I'm a big South Park fan, like the douche and the turd sandwich. I'm like, it's <laughs> just too right. 
sides of the same shitty coin. Yeah, right. And you're given this kind of illusion of choice, right. um, which I think would just, you know, people will get co corporations and marketing or whatever AIs will just get a lot better at convincing people that they are actually making their own choices and things are potentially becoming freer where in fact wow it's, it's like more social, oppressive i think we have things like social credit scores and stuff like all that stuff that's like on like looming at some point um i just i, I don't know a lot about it i don't know about, about ai but i am interested in what happens in even the next like six months or even a year with ai even just like chat gpt when people do like there's that uh drake and uh i don't know who he's with a song that got created by ai mm -hmm. it's, it's a banger and it's on they're trying to get people to take it down off of um spotify Mm. Can't what's called. I saw it on Twitter the other day, and it's like it's a pretty good song. But it was made. It's a video. Uh, you can tell the video is kind of shit, but it's a song that was made completely from AI uh, making a song. It's Drake's voice, and uh, I can't remember who else is in it. Uh, I wish I think maybe the weekend. I think it's the weekend. Mm. Drake and the weekend. Oh, I think I actually heard about this. Yeah, yeah, and it's good. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of either of those that music, but it's good. It's yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't know what to say, man. Like, yeah, no, neither, right? It is. It is. Yeah. It's scary, but like, I, I mean, we, I mean, we get the, it's something we got to deal with. We have to keep moving on and do your thing. And like, I mean, if you worry about it, you can be froze, you can be paralyzed in, in, uh, in fear. Right. Yeah. Like one, one thing I've, I've learned in my short career thus far is that you need to adapt. Yeah, you right. need to be, you need, and you can't, and one thing I think as you get older, you become less adaptable per se. I agree. So I feel as a skill, it's something you, one could continue to invest in right and that to me is just keeping an open mind and it's staying healthy i know this sounds like no, a silly thing sure. but like i've started taking my health really seriously not really yeah. seriously but more seriously over the last two years yeah and that's had incredible consequences for my attitude and sure. my productivity and things like that and just my mental resilience right because when these things happen like like i'm like look let's assume for instance that photography per se or video or content creation marketing is all on the decline over the next sure. five to ten years and yeah. let's hypothetically say in ten years time marketing is all done by ai yeah, and content right. which is probably not Plenty of hypothetical yeah not even that's <laughs> happening already yeah, right. so well i suddenly don't have a career anymore right and that's kind of concerning but what do you do well am i going to go back to substance abuse am i going to go back to drinking and am i going to come make it worse for myself yeah right like, no the only things you can do is try to reskill and look forward right to me i was saying my my saying this to my friend the other night i was like i i've, I've i'm always i'm fascinated by um consciousness i'm fascinated by psychology sure. i'm fascinated about how people think i just never really thought i was smart enough or have had the academic opportunities to like maybe pursue that within right. the pacific rigor and it's going to be a pretty big thing i think with like even like better help on those things online people are looking towards like that's that's something you can't ai i would hope so <laughs> my friend immediately had a rebuttal though he was like yeah but i have a friend who's doing counseling with a computer on a computer now or like typing stuff out and i'm like well you, i guess like maybe that's not for everyone like i like Damn. to okay, talk boy. to people in person i'm but wrong then could you imagine like going into like a therapy like session and you're talking to a to an AI robot? That'd be so weird. Some people might be like, oh, because I don't actually have to talk to a human. Like I don't have to feel as vulnerable yeah. or whatever. But like, I don't know, man, like call me old fashioned. But I like to have I like a, doing a, this. A heart to heart. Yeah. You know, like, like, so people 
you know, like everyone's different. Everyone's, everyone's human experience is like, so uniquely theirs. And like, I, I approach every person that I can, I can, I, is the sense that I can learn something from them. They have something that a piece of information or an insight that I don't know sure. that I can learn something from. Yeah. And the way that manifests during a conversation like this, like, yeah, you could probably write that. I could maybe in the future have this conversation with an AI, but like, would you want to? I think when you when you mentioned like that photograph that you could tell the lighting wasn't the, the right way back then. If you said that that photo, that guy that made from the Cuban, that Cuban photo, they were like, I think as humans, it'll take a long time for us to not be able to see that. And if I'm talking to you, if I was talking to you and you were like a robot or AI, when you were, and even if you're really realistic, I think I'd there'd be a long time before we can't tell. And I hope so. Yeah. But I think, and that's like where we can have, that's where we can hang on is like human interaction can keep, it's like, are really like, it's like societies who have more friends and who are more communal, they live longer and stuff. Right. So, I mean, imagine if, I mean, if that's something like that, if that, if, if you can keep that alive, I think it's, it's some kind of fight against it. Right. Yeah. But I think it, and it's spiritually, you need to have, people around you because you can just i think loneliness kills people yeah we're in a fascinating time because we're moving we're fully in a sectarian like environment now like the religion really doesn't have in in the western world i'm talking about mainly here religion seems to be old news for for a lot of people right and we're we're, we're kind of in this godless environment now we're we're wandering in the dark um and we're using first it was like capital um so consumerism so yeah. like we buy brands we buy things to kind of like make us feel better like yeah. and we still do it like we everyone does it like it's and even as a marketer i do it yeah. do it and i know i'm doing it yeah and i'm like why am i spending twice the amount of money on this brand just to have the brand name yeah and it's like because i want to be seen in this social it still score. counts because it yeah. makes like look you can you cannot you can argue against that to that i have a friend who will never buy brands and he has more money than any of us right yeah so but it's it's how we figure ourselves into the social structure so um that's our new sort of bible it's the the new the new religion is well not even new like it's it's consumerism right i'm almost thinking we're getting to this or at least entering maybe this post-consumerist environment where um that it's instead of we're, we're we're starting to realize that things are things and the the intrinsic value we place on them probably isn't as important as we think and we're coming into this at least some people coming into this age where it's becoming less important and we're realizing without a connection to nature and each other we're actually worse off and that is something i feel that's happened to our generation in the last probably 10 years like when growing up like in the 80s and 90s um it was very consumerist it was the height of um well, it, marketing it was advertising definitely the ignorant consumerism too where you didn't know that it was all bullshit and you were getting stuff from like a like we know our stuff comes from china and we didn't know it back then and we thought it was all we could we could just kind of ignore it and look away mm-hmm. but i think some of the stuff you're saying about that i think there's like an economical uh status that is where you are like financially in your life definitely impacts how you feel about consumerism you know like if um if you if you're just trying to survive and just pay your bills each month to do things, consumerism, I feel like 
might be wrong, but I feel like it's harder to adjust to, um, it's hard to focus on yourself when you're trying to like get, when you're financially set and you're good, you can kind of focus on yourself and kind of do things. If you're not, you're still trying to get that piece of bread for the next day and everything else. Right. So I think it, it makes you, uh, not in your own fault, but just harder to make yourself aware of like what your actual impact is. Maybe that sounds crazy, but no, no. Like I think if you have less economic freedom, you're less likely to reflect on the importance of decisions you're making. Sure. Yeah. Cause like, you, your decisions are just day to day and you have to make certain survival. Ones. Yeah. Right. Survival versus thriving. Like, yeah. Right. So once you're in a situation where you can, you start to have disposable income and you start to make decision, like you have more decision making power. That's, that's where the marketers and the businesses want you because right. you, you know, then it's not just option a, because right. it's the cheapest one. It's option B, C, D, yeah. E, F, G. Right. And they're all slightly different variations of the same thing. Right. Um, and that's when the power of brands come in. I study that brands at university. And that's like yeah. partially why like, I'm fascinated by psychology about it. Right. And why I'm also like, I hate it. Like, I hate it, man. I do like, too. I, that's why I don't do it anymore. It's kind of like I left. I, I stopped marketing. Uh, I mean, at least in TV, everyone knows you're lying. When you're making a movie or TV, they all know it's kind of fake, right? Mm. Um, I didn't leave the marketing industry on my own volition. I kind of, yeah, like I said, I worked from, I worked in, uh, I did it once and I got brought back in with a cannabis company. And then um, that burned me out, maybe like full PTSD on emails and stuff. It was crazy. And I feel like um, I don't accept anybody's marketing anymore. Like, I don't feel like it's, we're just, you're, you're trying to convince someone to do something. If it's buy a jacket for a thousand bucks that you've made somewhere else, but and you have to tell someone you still have a you still have a environmental policy and you're trying to save the world with your jackets you're making or whatever, but you're not changing where you're making them from or whatever else, right? So mm. I'm not making any specific comment, but like that kind of stuff to me. I'm like, well, look, if I, I'm gonna get the jacket. I'm gonna need one. I'm gonna do my own research and find it. But I think uh, there's very few tactics out there that we can use anymore that are different than we used five years ago. I think everything's pretty homogenized now as far as like branding. Mm-hmm. Um, there's personalities that can help you with your brand. But then I think it's just kind of bland. And even if something's blown up and crazy, it's because they've either been controversial or they're trying to get, they're about to get canceled or um, they've made a big mistake, which I was calling them on now, which I don't think anybody has a right to call anybody any mistakes because we're all doing dumb shit on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the whole marketing and brand thing. I mean, I still have, you know, I think of brands more of like quality, not, uh, like their image. Mm-hmm. I don't care about their image anymore. I just care if they make something good that I'm going to be able to use for a long time. Yeah, perception versus the actual yeah. like functional value. Yeah, I think the functional value is bigger. And I mean, that's what, I mean, maybe some like Patagonia is trying to make that, but like this whole like, we'll sew your sleeve on for you or fix your stuff. Like, yeah, it's all good. But ultimately, they still need consumerism to, to be able to do that for you, right? So I don't, I think the, the images to me have, have long gone. And I think it's more just like, if they, if whatever brand it is, they make good shoes, they make a good car, whatever it is, I don't know. But like, I'd rather that than, and usually at times the good brands make the good stuff, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely not concerned with the brand image anymore, what that brand does or what they try to do. Yeah. I try and like help my clients see that being product led brand supported is a good way to go. So like yeah. focus your mo- focus your money and your effort on creating the best product you can. Yeah. If you can't and you go into the market and you fail, then your product just wasn't good enough. Like yeah. it's a free market economy, but don't like and this is what people try and do is they try and go in with like a mids product that's just blur because they probably made it from components that are already available and just threw it together in a new way and then added in this like 
really well designed, meaningful, quote unquote, authentic, quote unquote, brand that just try to spin a perception. Yeah, and that works for. for oh, damn yeah. right, it works because yeah. it absolutely works. Man, good branding makes food taste better, cars drive better, yeah. clothes fit better, yeah. weed smoke better. Yeah, hundred and ten percent. Yeah, like I can't argue against the psychology of it. Right, but I have, I'm disillusioned, and I'm like a bit. I'm like, I don't know you, man. I don't care anymore. Yeah. I'm like, I just don't care. Yeah. Like, I'm, I want something to work. And that's why, like, I care for what I say. I'm in the marketing world sure, still. Yeah, but it's yeah, like, I sure. just, I'm, and I, I care about my clients. I care about doing good work. And I'm... Well, that makes you, that makes you a valuable asset because you understand there's people, and you understand the people who do still care and you need to have, like, a story that they have the, the people attached to your brand and your ethos and what you do and stuff. Um, but I think... You, it can't just be one or the other anymore. It used to be, you could have good, like you said, you could have good marketing and have a great product, but now it's got to be both. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way people, you can, then you don't care if somebody doesn't care about your brand because you make good stuff. You don't care if they don't care about your product because you have a good brand. Mm-hmm. Like if you can, you've got to do both really well so that people can choose what they uh, attach to your brand with. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like the, the ethos and the branding or the product itself. Yeah. If you don't do both well, you'll lose at some point. 100%. Yeah. One way, one way or another. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to chat about? It's been like an hour and hour and a half. I just kind of start talking, so I don't know if we if you had something you were hoping to talk about or like. I just kind of no, that's cool, sh- man. Yeah, we've covered sort of like kind of jump around a bunch. But yeah, for, well, a lot of it interlinked, like the photography aspect, sort yeah. of cannabis, uh, cannabis marketing, uh, sort of consciousness and yeah. psychedelics, uh, things like that. I think they're they're interesting topics. <laughs> yeah. Um, the conspiracy theory stuff is it's it's fascinating. Like I'm not really into them. I just feel like I ask because I think it's like funny. Like I have friends who are you know I don't know if conspiracy theorists, but like you just I don't, I don't know you very well. So I always ask. We try to keep the the conversation pretty casual. But um, yeah, do you have anything products coming up you're working on? Anything you need to like promote or something? What do I need to promote? <laughs> um, so like okay, look my my uh, my kind of goal seeing where everything's going right now. Um. I'm, I, I, what, I'm, what I'm seeing is this commoditization of creativity. Right. Okay. So, and AI is a part of that. So, like, a good example is um, uh, I've got a client and their sales team uh, gave us some feedback on the creatives we were doing, saying, like, oh, when you're scrolling through Instagram, you've got beautiful photos, but we don't know what the strain is. Like, there's no text on the images, like, on the actual images. Oh, right. And I was like, okay, interesting. I was like, First, I, I meet, my emotional reaction was like, oh, don't ruin God, the yeah, you're ruining the phone. <laughs> but then I was like, wait a minute. Ah, I remember now because Instagram is no longer an art platform or a social right. media platform. Right. It's so, a marketing platform. That's true. If yeah, anyone right. has any doubts about that anymore, yeah. it is a marketing platform. Sure, yeah, it is. Totally. A sales platform now. Um, so I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to fight it, obviously. Like it's, I, I'm, I'm here to serve my client, and yeah. uh, and that was actually good feedback because as a photographer, I get maybe more into the art than some. I, maybe I'm thinking more with that part of the brain than right. the marketing side. Sure. And actually, I went back and I looked at the stuff. And I was like, yeah, that's fair enough. And then I've, now I'm starting to design essentially ads on every. Like, sure. not. I'm being careful about it, but right. like each each one is like it's. If you slide to the left, it's got a whole text uh right. like text slide that explains and talks and educates mm-hmm. yeah so it, it, it's strategic and and, and, and and there's still good photography so it's that uh, it's a bit of both but what i realized actually didn't realize i learned 
as I can't remember his name, but this um, I would call a successful artist came to town. He was uh, had a gallery at um, one of the big hotels. I forget what it was. It was like a pop up gallery, mm-hmm. and this dude um, sells his prints for like sixty grand a piece. Holy shit! Yeah, wow. and like he's in his fifties. Sure. Um, got a kid and he's traveled the world. Like, you know, he's clearly a talented dude. Yeah. But um, I asked him, he, they were in a Q&A session. And I was like, do you still do commercial work? And he was like, only if I have to. Yeah. And I was like, why? He was like, because they tell me what to do. And he was like, I right. want to do what I want to do. Right. And he says, yeah, I'll take the 200 grand payday. That's how much he charges. Like, obviously, it's a big production sure. thing. It's yeah, not yeah. just a day. It's a lot that goes into it. But 200K yeah. for it what could be one photograph or one creative piece is that's a lot i mean that's a, there's only a handful of companies that will pay for that these days maybe yeah. maybe more than a handful not in the outdoor industry high fashion oh, that, no. high fashion photographer like even Coca-Cola. cars yeah right and yeah. ultimately like that's where i see the cannabis going to like i'm staying in the cannabis game so that and i'm well positioned that so when everything is conglomerated dan house bushes and the middle core is like I'm still working with those companies yeah, cool. like of the cannabis world, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Um, but the other part of it, like I was, I, I mentioned is like, I decided this year that I'm just sharpening my artistic skills because right. I've always struggled to call myself an artist, right. to be perfectly honest. Um, I've just, I like to draw from a young age, but I never thought my work was any good. And it, and it, I never really showed my art to anyone. And honestly, my drawing sucks. It does, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not saying I'm a good drawer right. at all. Yeah. I, I, I'm saying like, I think I had an eight, innate creativity, creativity in me. Yeah. And it only is just sort of manifest through photography in the last seven or eight years. Right. So a lot of the work I do in the, com- the commercial cannabis world, in the cannabis world is it's what we discussed slightly about earlier. It's like black backgrounds, product shots. Don't get me wrong. There's an artistic element to it. Sure. And I, I wrote a post about this a while back. I'm like, I don't think it's art. Like, I don't think commercial photography is art, as artistic as it is, is art because the right. art should come from the heart of the artist. Right. Uh, and it's something that you want to say and that's important to you. Right. So I'm starting to take a conscious effort to build that skill. Okay. Firstly, right. in the cannabis sector with the creativity around sort of creating interest more interesting and better ads than anybody else sure, using yeah. like surrealism or different artistic methods yeah. uh better pro like just better more creative shoots right. you know taking inspiration from the food industry from sure. the beverage industry yeah because that's ultimately where it's going to end up yeah, like sure. and that's where it should end it's up it's like consumer packaged goods are where it's at it's where it's where it's is right now anyway, yeah so yeah and right. look as much as we you know we, we just talked about a minute how disillusioned with marketing is like there's the space, there is the opportunity to do good work and I'm not going to write everything off because I work with some amazing clients and good sure. people who really do want to make a good positive impact on the world. So sure. I, I, I believe in that and I want to be a part of those projects. Um, so, but I'm also doing my own art pieces. I'm doing a three series piece. I'm actually halfway through shooting it right now. It's oh, right, still cool. at my house. It's yeah, set up. Nice. Um, it's like a black and, sorry, it's a black and gold series, okay. cannabis still life series. Okay. Um, that if I keep honing that skill and evolving that eye, then maybe one day I can sell prints for 60 grand. Sure. Right. Yeah. Who knows? Like, I'm not going to write that off. It sounds crazy, but like, I'm assuming that other photographer didn't start out being like, I'm going to sell $60,000 prints in galleries. Well, seeing somebody else do it gives the idea that you can do it too. Mm -hmm. Right. Like. You watch like other comedians, you watch podcasts, whatever, like people that just do it, you can really see it's possible. So why isn't it possible for you to do it? 
yeah it's just a bit of faith and, yeah, exactly. and hard work yeah right but um hard work beats talent every day of the week i feel sure um but it's just it comes back and, it, and, and this line be- between sort of art and commercialism i find is really fascinating mm-hmm. like i've had a, com- a couple of conversations recently about this and uh there's a great great documentary which i recommend anyone should watch if they're in the creative marketing advertising space it's called art and copy okay you can watch it for free on youtube it's a pb old pbs it's dated because it's back from the golden area of advertising right but it's the stories of these like old school like og advertising agencies the old Saatchi and Saatchis, the DBAs, the DBWBDs or whatever, like all those old acronyms that we had no idea what to stand for. But these were really smart, creative people who maybe didn't realize at the time what they were doing to the right. to the psyche of the, the Western population in terms of like the me generation. Mm-hmm. There's actually a woman in there who's like, they talk about inventing the me generation, which is right. the individualistic, like, part of our culture right. which makes it actually easier for us to sell if we're more um collectivist more family orientated more uh community orientated we wouldn't need products because no, we buy less we wouldn't think about it for ourselves we exactly just, yeah, right. and that's like the west and that's you know i can see why you're going around the world and people don't like that western philosophy is because it's pretty divisive yeah. and i think we're seeing the like the the, the, the um the, the accumulation of that now right and it's it's yeah. it's sad in a lot of ways and it's depressing from a personal not, not just but individualist perspective sure. because we're brainwashing is a bit of a, a harsh statement perhaps but we've been indoctrinated a certain way of consuming and right. i'm i don't know what the right word is annoyed or kind of disappointed or no like it's just somewhat sad that that's the situation we find ourselves in right now. Yeah. I don't but, think we weren't aware of it happening. Most no, people, and that's the so thing. So that's where you, when you're at a spot where you're like, the discovery of it, you're like, well, this is, you didn't think it, nobody thought it was happening because uh, it was introduced as a new idea or like a new like influence, not even an idea, but. Unintended it, consequence. Yeah, right. So like now we realize, like, oh, damn. So how do you reverse that? Mm-hmm. It's a hard reset. It's hard to do. Well, I tell you what, I'm so grateful to live in somewhere like Whistler where I can walk out of my house and be in nature in like sure. a few minutes because yeah. that's the main thing I feel that will is the antidote it, it, it is reconnecting with nature. And it sounds cliched and that can just be as simple as going for a walk in the woods. Well, know? it's like it's like subconsciously knowing things are real. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Like if you live in a city, things are real, but they weren't there before. They weren't like they were created around you. Mm. I feel like when you go outside and you see a tree... Now, if you look at these trees, they were planted here before when I moved here. But when you go to the mountains, and it's just, it's real. It's, mm. It wasn't put there to protect you or whatever. I mean, it kind of was, I guess. But it wasn't put there to manipulate your environment. It was put yep. there because that's where, it's just because it's there. Yeah, I agree. So I think that's where, like, the our nature can, uh, being in nature helps us. Because it's just, like, it wasn't created, not by our hand, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but if you're in a city, you can forget that stuff. I think it's by people, like people still litter and stuff you don't think about it because when you live in a city people pick up your garbage for you mm-hmm. i'm not saying that's like i mean maybe a robot will do it for us someday but like <laughs> probably yeah. happening now i guess but yeah i think it's good you got it i mean to get outside i mean even the japanese talk about like tree gazing and they have these like forests they walk into i mean there's one they kill themselves in too but like um yeah that the idea of getting outside and being in this place they asked me when i was doing that 72 hour filmmaker showdown they asked me um what inspires you to be here in this, this, this valley and stuff and i was like I mean, the things that are outside. I mean, the mountains. Like, I mean, everyone says this answer when you live in this town because you know it. You appreciate mm-hmm. it. Um, 
if you ask somebody in the city what inspired you, it could be, you know, Andy Warhol inspired me or it seems like, like different things. Like I'm inspired by the, the city lights and how bright New York becomes at night. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. It's just a different way to be inspired, but, uh, it'll, it's a different way. Maybe you, you act as a human mm-hmm. as whether it's like consumerism, your environmental pro, uh, um, thoughts. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think we are lucky to live in this town for sure. Well, I think or it, a place like this anyway, like living in the city, for instance, like that, that contrast between like somewhere like this, for instance, where uh, I, I think, yeah, there's like to a degree, you don't choose what inspires you. Like your surroundings will somewhat dictate that to sure. you because it's just what's available. Yeah. Um, the, they feel there's probably profound psychological differences between living in a city and living somewhere where you can actually have darkness at night. Yeah, for sure. Like use the example of that being a bright city. It's like that blue light, like there's studies to show that like just that blue light or being a, being a, uh, exposed to light all the time does havoc on your, on your, on your sleep patterns and, and all these things. rhythms, everything like, rhythm, yeah, thinking. right. Sure. Like neural pathways and stuff. Um, people say like, people are like, Oh, I love New York. Cause it's, it's like, I can do whatever I want, whatever I want. And it's always stimulation. Right. Yeah, maybe that's not a bad thing for them. Who knows, right? Yeah, I think everyone's everyone's unique, and everyone again will, 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 will I guess evolve in their own little way. But it's fascinating to see, like, the rate at which we're changing. And I know that's again, like, said quite quite com- quite often. But like, the I'm fascinated by the impact of that, and like how our behavior will affect our future generations mm-hmm. for instance like there's a lot of change going on the moment socially like whether yeah. you can you agree with it as a, a whole other kind of worms to yeah. open but like it's uh it's it's an interesting time and how we adapt and evolve and and, and 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 talk to each other about it that's the thing i think we a skill we we which i see some people doing much much better these days mm-hmm. and then some people just not at all it's like having open conversations sure. like this yeah. this actually is happening more often now than ever before for me yeah, personally for sure yeah right. i have more in-depth complex conversations right. with people than i've ever done before that's good i mean it's like i i have this because if i don't i have very rare very rare that i do that so i do this and talk to people i think it's awesome it's a great outlet for yeah for, and not only like your own development you're finding like understanding other people yeah but just you know strengthening community like it's, it's I, I i scrolled through all the people on your podcast and i was right. like wow i was like i know a handful of these people. yeah right like, this is yeah. this is my community and like yeah. i've lived here for six seven eight years now and it's like wow actually maybe i do belong somewhere like this yeah man i think like um belonging isn't always about how long you've been somewhere right i mean we, uh, that's an old school notion that we had in this town and i mean some sometimes it does you can't come into town for years or bitch about everything you've done i get it but like if you're on the same wavelength as people you're here like you moved here with the same dream and the same idea that everybody else came here with so it means you belong here right it doesn't mm. mean like and if it if you're here for five years ten years whatever it is yeah you can kind of people can say oh i've been here for a long time people they can all then they can assume you belong here mm. But I mean, I have friends who don't go up the mountain, don't ski, don't snowboard. They live here and like, do they belong here? Well, yeah. It's like, they don't need to do what everybody else does. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think these conversations are hard. People just don't have them. And I think you are talking about earlier, like um, uh, how we're evolving. I think we're just evolving into more extremes. Like people are like, there used to be, you know, as you learned about things, information traveled slower. So there was less, you know, turbulation in how we... Uh, learned and what what was happening in society it was more like kind of even keel whether whatever was happening in the background it was bad you know like um this government corruption and everything else but like 
the society was less less extreme, you mm-hmm. know. But I think now we have so much access to information, we can be um, coerced into a, a group of you know people we think are the same like minded us, and we can be tricked. But I think we have a our society is changing fast, and it's uh, the extremes are getting higher and lower. Mm-hmm. I think that's like, and that's a huge problem because it's hard to get people to get on the same page when there's like, you know, when between poverty and, and racism and just like everything that changes, it's become more extreme and more like people jump on something cause they want to belong. And I think that it does change. I don't know if it's good or bad, but sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's good, I guess. Yeah. Like part of, um, it's like, a, it's like a, a identity crisis. Yeah. Like I, I talked earlier slightly about sort of the, you know, the, moving from religion into like the more secular, and then again, kind of more into that, like some people were into that kind of spiritual uptaking, kind of that, right. that kind of general trajectory. Yeah. Um, but how people see their identity and where they put themselves into the boxes around them is fascinating mm-hmm. because it's quite an interesting um, duality. Whereas we want to be seen as being our own person and an individualistic, mm-hmm. but we also need to belong to, 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 other, yeah. to other groups and the acceptance of other groups the, the acceptance of, of us by other groups sometimes feel like we it's um it should be default like we should be allowed to join any group we want yeah. because we, you know that's our privilege where it's like i don't really think that's the case like i feel you need to if you want to be part of a certain group or a subsect of people like yeah like you can join it but you have to you have to kind of live that value you like gotta you can't just time be, and the effort you gotta have the same ben- beliefs for the most part well, no, we, at least just have an open mind to understand where they're coming from and understanding where th- their values and beliefs stem from right right um I, I i think i think you can hold two different beliefs in your mind and and, and fluctuate between and learn and evolve because i think that's a powerful way to to understand new things and understand different people and right. different groups but it's um it's like how people see themselves in the world today, I think is becoming more and more and more complex. And that is something I'm fascinated to learn more about and kind of maybe even, I don't know, help people with in the future. Like that, that, that to me sounds like a really interesting way to learn more about myself, my place in the world and how other people and, and, and helping other people kind of, fit themselves into the world if that makes sense yeah it does i mean people need to find a place to fit i guess and sometimes if you feel lost it's where sometimes you lash out and you have like if you feel like you don't fit anywhere i mean that's this might sound bleak but you have like you know you have people who commit crimes and mass murders stuff they were exiled from their community they don't have any place to fit in they kind of feel like lost and lonely and like it's like you know if we need to help people that are feeling like they've been shunned or they like shun's not a great word but we've, they've been they're kind of barriered out mm. and sometimes that's hard to do because it's up to them to do it too but I think our society is creating these extremes of like, yeah, where do you fit in? It's hard to find that. I'll tell you something that's a little, maybe a little controversial, but yeah. like I've, I've thought about it. I haven't done it yet, uh, but I'm, I genuinely consider it, I'm considering it. I just need to like put, put it down on my calendar and yeah. do it is, uh, is actually go back to church on a Sunday. Yeah. Just you, walk into a 10 a.m. session yeah. just to sit there. I just want to listen and, and just take in a vibe. I grew up Christian. Yeah. Like I, I went to church growing up and like, yeah. and then I went full reject on it. I was yeah. like, fuck this, fuck that. <laughs> These yeah. fuckers did this, this, that, and the other. And then I realized I was like, as I got older and like probably in the last five years or so, I was like, actually 
there's a lot of powerful stories and a lot of meaning in there that I kind of probably just threw out because I didn't fully understand the context and yeah. like how other people manipulate it. I totally understand how religion, mass religion is manipulative and yeah. there's, don't get me wrong, it's got a, a, a lot of bad points, but I just, just, just took all the bad points and was like, okay, that's all religions are all bad. Right. And like now I'm, I'm, I'm taking a more kind of, I'm not jumping back into it, but I'm like, I'm taking more of a kind of a, for lack of a better word, an academic approach. Like sure. I want to understand it, yeah. to understand where those stories come from, how our, the meat, like a lot of the meaning in our modern cultures, it, it stems from that Judeo-Christian belief system. So I'm like, yeah. I, don't, I don't, I think part of moving forward would be looking back at what, why why it was important in the first place i don't think going I, I, the dogma and the all the you know all that kind of stuff i obviously don't like but like i i, I think it was think a thing that done it was a, a guiding force to do right even though you look at christian and religion some stuff they've done really wrong but i think it's like the guiding force to do right and to be a better person is like to me the the biggest message in that whether it's like you go to church or you it's like believing in something that's good so you have something to kind of operate by as like a human being mm -hmm. i don't know if it's all about like yeah i get what you're saying because like if this having no god and no no like higher power not believing any nothing believing there's nothing beyond our lives and believing nothing's happening it's kind of bleak so to have something where you can think about well there is something better and i should be guided by something that makes me not be so cynical towards the world and just hope and have like a better outlook towards other people. I think that's probably a good way to go. I think mm. going to church, that's something you need to do. It can help just, uh, whether it's academic or you go to get right involved in it and jump around and cheer and stuff. There's like, I think there's, there's some good to be taken from just that idea that there is a, um, like somebody that's watching over you or not but just something to like be like, positive towards if that makes sense you're sort of servient to some higher power yeah, and right. like it just means that you're not the one in control yeah and like that's a mental thing too like right. a lot of things if, if you're an emotional per like i'm a quite an emotional person like yeah. you disconnecting like again being mindful of your emotions how you're not your feelings they're just feelings yeah. they come they go they're there to protect you from various things like if you can separate your your thinking self from your emotional self yeah and then next time you know that's an extremely powerful it's kind of like why yoga got so big like this yeah. is a huge thing about that. Like it's, there's like a baseline religion style to it. Um, but I think that's probably what it is too. Cause people didn't want to have to, people who didn't want to believe in, you know, the religious side of it all, they could go to yoga and have this like, you know, it's almost like a parallel thinking to religion, but it was like also physical, but maybe that's probably why it got popular too, I guess. Yeah. I know it goes far to say like the spirituality movement is, is rooted in that, uh, that need for some sort of bigger meaning. Yeah, sure. And like, so you don't feel lost and hopeless. Yeah. Like, people can like, see, these <clears throat> feel that way. And like, that's again, like, I mean, I, I'm, I love like on clear nights looking up at the stars and like sure. just having that, you know, that, that total small feeling of insignificance on a small ball traveling 600 miles an hour, that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. And then it makes you think, well, Jesus, like, what does that mean? And then you're like, you know, it opens up this whole metaphysical thing. And then you're like, Jesus, like, but you have to make sense of that. You have to, at least in your mind, have an answer to move forward in a purposeful way. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be the right answer, but like that could be, that could be religion, that could be consumerism, that could be spirituality, right. wh wh whatever the, the solution or the, an answer is. It's like, 
pick a starting point and like nihilism I, I i i dabbled with nihilism for a bit right. didn't turn out great <laughs> a lot of drinking right. a lot of substance yeah, abuse right. and i was pretty miserable yeah um and it took a you know a long time to dig myself out of that hole and it's not like i'm like converted back to christianity or anything right. like that i'm just like well you know there's a space in the infinite like there's a that's where that kind of like infinite and consciousness and all that type of thing start to that unknown that god whatever you right. want to call that kind of like higher power like that that fascinates me from a from a from a psychological and philosophical point of view yeah i mean there's like i mean there's so many ways for, as a human you can go and i think like i think even with like substance abuse and stuff is aa and stuff is it not to have not have a religious base like if it has some religious base to I'm it i'm fairly right? sure yeah I've never, I've never been to aa or whatever what if you is it aa you go to aa even if you're a drug addict right there's a like there's different ones is there a but da yeah. one I think so. There's, <laughs> the, 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 there's different ones, yeah. But right. the 12-step program is... Um, it's got religion based in it, does it not? Yeah, it's the, it's the, you ha I think one of them is that you have to accept that there is, you're, you're not in control power. and right. you, you have to like right. relinquish that control. The, but the thing is, that actually, and this is why it connects, it makes so much sense with religion and things like that because the higher power you're subs being subservient to essentially is to help other people. Yeah, right. It's like... It's like don't be so selfish it's not the me culture help right. other like and it's salvation through helping other people and it's like it's so simple and it's like but that's really the antithesis of what we've been trained to do right. like since birth we've been trained like in our western culture it's indoctrinated into individualism mm -hmm. like you'd find it hard pressed to find someone who would argue against the idea of community values and like looking out for each other and things like that but yeah actually if you look at pretty hard close at like consumerism that's kind of the message yeah it's like put yourself first yeah. you're you're the most important uh and then everything else comes into place whereas it should really be the other way around it should be right like my family's the most important followed by my community followed yeah. by the rest of the world and i'm just a tool to help bring bring joy or goodness or lessen pain or whatever whatever your uh whatever your thing is whatever you can bring whatever your value right and I think that's the, the thing that everyone kind of knows inside. Like that's a, and I didn't, I probably didn't explain it very well, but I think there's this kind of feeling we all know that we, that we have more to give. We have our, but we have so much potential in us right. that we don't know how to get it out in the best way because we're being, you know, flooded with all these different messages. We have been indoctrinated in a certain way of thinking, a way of doing, a way of behaving. Um, and yeah, there's little flashes of inspiration to kind of bring us out of it. I would say psilocybin is like a good yeah, kind of like, sure. just like, I think of like a, uh, what's it called? Like when you like, oh, I've lost my train of my words, <laughs> but when you like kickstart a car or something, that's where like, you oh, right. jumpstart. Yeah, jump it, yeah. It's like a little zap of it. Like, yeah, oh my right. God, like jolt, jolt me out of this daydream I've been walking through. Right. And then you can reassess that. That to me is like evidence to show that we're kind of asleep at the wheel in a lot of respects. And now I think we're all waking up somewhat together yeah and trying to figure it out which i feel is really exciting i think so too i think the pressure of the world gets so strong you need to reach it you need to be people need to realize they're not on their own if, when the pressures get so big when they're not there's no pressure you can be on your own not be worried about things but when the pressure's around you start to look around go man we got a lot going on in our world that's not great and you you start to realize you need other people it slowly probably slowly happens but um, yeah we can end on this maybe yeah sure. um but I, I always try to write when I travel yeah. because I try to write in the mornings because I kind of have a 
fresher perspective i'm just kind of more in that zone and like when i was younger like i was tried to change the world i was like this sucks this sucks global warming this consumer in that and i was like i traveled for a little bit and i was like oh man like the scale at which the world operates is just like i was like I, I can't remember the exact words, but it was like, I, I bitterly accepted that I couldn't change the world. Right. I could only change myself. Yeah, right. And in doing so, helps give other people permission to do the same. Yeah. So by setting the example of which I'm going to, I'm going to work on myself, I'm going to turn up the best way I can every day, I'm going to try and embody the values, the highest values I believe in, and live that out, uh, that's the best way I can change the world. Because if you fight and you struggle and you fight the system and you're da-da-da-da, like you're never going to win. Not because you're not virtuous, but because it's a system. Right. It's you against the system. Whereas if you're, I took the the mentality where it's like, forget about that. That's just going to stress you out. You're not actually going to be make any meaningful change. Right. The meaningful change comes from changing yourself inside, the living the values that you purport to to say yeah. uh, and then change will come and I tell you what it has and it will continue to come because of that attitude I agree man it's good cool <laughs> yeah I think like I mean I know the same thing like uh, you've, it's, it's easy to kind of just tick along and think everything's like you know you, you think you can make big change but um, you can it's, it's, can it can be overwhelming it can be like like a daunting task I guess but if you start with small with yourself and work on things you can see the light and life in a better light yeah and you can see realize where you fit in more and where you can kind of help and more than just trying to like it's like you know take the biggest bite of your sandwich you can can't breathe and chew for a while you got to move around but if you take smaller bites and think about who you are as a person and how you can affect it it's a lot easier on yourself for sure that'd be my one bit of advice for younger people who don't know what to do or are struggling is like don't try to fix the whole problem at once yeah like figure out what you can do slightly better tomorrow yeah and then do that and then just keep getting slightly better every day because that is is compound is compound interest Mm -hmm. like skip for like i'm a a living proof man like anytime people told me when i was starting my career being like oh like you know small steps blah 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 or like you'll get there one day it's like i never believed that shit man i was like fuck i can barely feed myself i'm (laughs) how am i gonna get this job how am i gonna do that it's like just i'm not saying it's easy just like small little steps, like just believe, and it sounds so cliched, but believe, believe in yourself and just, just you're not perfect. And you are, there's a million things you can do better. Like don't, t- if anyone's like, oh, you're good the way you are, tell them to fuck off. Yeah. So like you can be so much better, yeah. but don't expect that to all happen overnight. Be humble and just work. Just find out those little things, those little skills and progress slightly better every day as long as you're better than you were yesterday you're already doing much better than most other people yeah i think one thing is like the world doesn't ex- the world doesn't really wait uh, uh, allow for patience to be happy that's a very good way to put it if you if you can if you can cultivate that patience inside you you're you're on your path to success sweet all right cool man cool thanks for having me thanks for coming by that was great good talk uh, yeah that was fun man